Hello everyone and welcome to the season finale of Soundcheck! Today, my Whoa. <laughs> What was that, too much energy for you? I, I love it, dude. Okay, great. I'm happy that you do. My name is Andrew Mullen, of course, as always. Why would it change? It's my fucking birth name. I'm joined by my wonderful co-host here. Michael Livingston. And today we also have our wonderful editor here. Ben Ackley. Awesome. Today, we're starting off with a flying start because today we got a f- just a huge task in our hands because we are not just talking about an artist, not in an album, not in, we, we are going, we are encapsulating an entire decade of music today yeah. because, Michael, what are we talking about? We're just going over some of our favorite music over the past 10 years and we, we've each put together a list we've listened to each other's picks um it's going to be fun we're going to talk about what we thought about this decade as a whole um you know what it means for rock music what it means for what we're expecting for the future of rock music everything like that it's all going to be wrapped up into a big long epic of an episode we're just highlighting what we loved maybe what i didn't love about the 2010s mm-hmm. the, the 20 teens the whatever the fuck this decade's called mm-hmm. so i don't know it's going to be probably a long one. Sorry, Ben. But, you know... Um, I'm part of it, so I'm happy to be here. Yeah. <laughs> you need to talk about all our favorite stuff. And, and we'll get more on how we did the list a little bit later. But first, housekeeping. We have a Twitter account, Michael. What is our Twitter handle? Uh, S-check of... <laughs> you had to think about that for <laughs> yeah. a second. I haven't, been, I haven't been on it in a while. I, 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 I've been at least trying to di- diligently post their episodes. Mm-hmm. I, I tagged Jordan in our B-52s episode, by nice. the way. Um, that was the last episode you would, episode you would have heard. Yeah, please so, go listen to that one. Yes, yeah, please go listen to, to it. It was probably one of my favorite episodes we've ever recorded here on the show, and she was abs- Jordan was absolutely fantastic. So thanks to her once again for joining us on that episode. Um, Michael, would you like to also plug in your Twitter handle? Sure. You can follow me at Michael C. Live if you want. Mine, mine is Andrew Mullen4. I don't know why the fuck you, have you a would Twitter follow bun? me. Yeah. Do you want to plug it? Mine's at Beauty Boys with Z's. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? <laughs> do you do you want to plug uh, the new track? Yeah. Um, th- since this will be the last episode, December 20th, uh, I have a single coming out. Bicycle Cop is the song I've been making my claim to fame with over the past year or so. Uh, and I finally finished it, and it's going to be coming out with a B-side. Uh, December 20th, I'll be playing at Max Bar, opening up for a shitload of other bands. Where's that at? It's in Lansing. Nice. So, yeah, come out there. It's owned by a alleged drug dealer. <laughs> Support local music, my friends. <laughs> I, I know why I feel like all of that just encapsulates this decade in some way, shape, or form. Yeah. <laughs> At least ben, Ben's career encapsulates this decade. Oh, absolutely. Career. Oh, my God. Um, would you also like to, don't you also have a SoundCloud that you can plug in or um, Bandcamp or anything like that? Yeah, I, I actually just put all my stuff on Bandcamp. All my stuff is everywhere under Ben Ackley, A C K L E Y. It's on Spotify, iTunes, wherever. I have an EP and two singles out now. I'm working on, I think I have my next three singles lined up plus an EP. So mm. stuff will be coming out consistently over the next year. Yeah. Support our boy over here. Yes. Do it. The four yeah. of you that listen. 
Now, check out Loveland. <laughs> now, let's uh, let's get into the meat of this episode and just right. well, it should be said that all of us at this table are well, you're 21, yes. I'm 19, you're 19. 19. So, it's safe to say that like we became adults in this decade. We got into music during... We legally became adults. Yes. We we found musical passion in this decade. So... I I didn't even become, like, a hardcore music fan until, like, 2013. Right. So... Yeah. The first bit of this decade kind of escaped me musically, but... Yeah. um, Yeah, I I think this is kind of... I think, again, since this is kind of our... Most of of this decade will encapsulate our teen years, so... um, for sure. I mean, this, this this like like many people look back at the eighties and nineties as like their formative years. This is kind of for us, and specifically with music. Yeah, most definitely. This and it makes us qualified to talk about this kind of music. That this is what we were exposed to in our in, in kind of the prime of our life. Mm-hmm. And you know, we still have much more prime to go. Yeah. But like the twenty the twenty twenties yes. will definitely deserve an episode. <laughs> so listen, so we are more qualified. So fuck you, boomers. <laughs> oh my god, I was gonna say that. <laughs> oh my god! But okay, what do we? What, how are we starting this out? Do we? Should we list our? Well, let's um, well, let's, let's 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 start off with the highs. What? I guess when we're talking about the twenty tens, I what is something that we can all look back on positively? Hmm. hmm. Well, um, I want to say like falling under the umbrella of the music we talk about on this podcast. You should state right out that uh, rock music was not the prime genre of this decade no of course that goes to rap music pop music um a lot of soul infusion kind of things um and that genre of music definitely needs some credit even though we're not going to be talking about that many prolific artists coming from the hip-hop and rap sphere emerged from this decade um taking on projects that encapsulate huge social political issues that are going to be re- remembered like 50 to 60 to 70 years down the line. Um, of course, I'm thinking of albums like To Pimp a Butterfly. You can think of uh, like a lot of Kanye's music as uh, decade-defining. You can think of... Um, uh, I know a lot of people really love Run the Jewels. Sure, well. yeah, definitely. And, and, the, and the trap kind of uh, resonating on SoundCloud, all of that becoming popular. That's what this decade's going to be remembered for, right? Uh, yeah, absolutely. I, th- I think definitely, I think, um, honestly, okay, well, I, I guess I kind of want to save some of the comparisons to past decades later, but if we're, if we're looking at, obviously the most recent would have been the, the, the aughts, the, the, the noughties, whatever they're mm-hmm. called, the, yeah, you know, the, the, the 2000s. And... Th- that was probably as far as like like in the age of recorded music that might have been possibly the worst decade. Like it was like especially if we're looking at the mainstream level, it was not very good. Definitely looking back at everything, um, like a lot of like almost every genre was affected. Like every almost every genre with the like from like the late nineties to the early portion yeah. of this decade had like just some of the, at least a good chunk of their credibility and reputation stripped away. Why do you think that is? I, I don't know. I, I'd love to know the same thing. I mean, it just, it just seemed to be the trend that, like, all pop music sucked. All, well, not mm-hmm. all pop music. I shouldn't say all. But like, a good majority of what we heard, like, pop, the pop music we heard on Top 40 was terrible. A good majority of the hip-hop and rap we heard sure. was not very good. I know you've talked about the Bling Era before, mm-hmm. um, and that's where we think of a lot of the really bad hip-hop. Sure. Um, yeah. Rock, rock radio, and 
main, well, mainstream rock radio, at least to this day, still actually sucks. But especially it was really bad in the 2000s. And metal, same thing. I mean, yeah, yeah, metal. It, it's just so much of that. Well, that was, yeah, that too. And just, just, just so much of that decade wasn't very good. And it, it, a, lot of, a lot of it still needs to improve it. But I think there's definitely, we're definitely starting to wade out of a lot of a lot yeah. of the terribleness that the decade brought us. My, my theory is that the reason why the 2000s were kind of like looked as like a pretty shy era in music and, and it's the reason why you have a lot of people saying that don't like kind of self-actualize. They say like, you know, music died in the year 2000, you know, when, when but like, I think it's maybe a counteractive point to uh, digitization of music, mm-hmm. kind of adapting to a new era and a medium of reported music and that caused a lot of confusion and chaos and now that we're kind of established and we're kind of adapting to you know new media um things are starting to get a little more synchronized i I will will let you see something but real quick going back to your question like i need you said why hip-hop will kind of be the remembered and i I think it's i think it's just i think part of it is just the fact that it was able to pick itself up i mean again i'm i I think i've stayed on the show before i'm not huge i'm not a huge rap fan i don't really listen to hip-hop but i will definitely say from what i've heard from the 20 from from the 2000s definitely is a lot i can definitely take this genre a lot more seriously now with acts like kendrick lamar Mm -hmm. like death grips like run the jewels Mm -hmm. again not really stuff i'm gonna be going my way to listen to but i can definitely look at that's like okay this is stuff I can respect. This is stuff that I can, at the very least, tolerate or like have people show me and say, "Hey, this is really good." It's like I can see that. I yeah. can see why this is such, why this is all getting such praise. So maybe this this might be a fun thing to do real quick, just to start this off. Let's say one album or one project that kind of falls into what this decade will be remembered for, like mainstream music. Oh. Um, it, just to start it off and kind of establish mm-hmm. the decade, then we can get into our kind of underground rock picks. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll start it out because I already have one in mind. Um, this definitely was the decade where um, the rap collective Odd Future kind of dispersed and came out and did all went under their way and kind of did the Wu Tang thing where they all separated and did their own solo projects. I, you know, a lot of people would point to Tyler the Creator as kind of the pioneer of the best projects that came out of there, but I always go to some rap songs by Earl Sweatshirt as my top rap pick of this decade um if i was to make a list of like actual albums that i believe like you know you know synchronize the decade that's probably going to be up there for me but that that's my modern pick what about you ben uh you i was afraid you were going to take mine because i was actually going to talk about igor by tyler the creator which just came out this year and like do i love it all no Mm -hmm. but do i think I don't know if think is the word. I think I hope that it points the direction that our music is going, and it feels like it does. Because when you look at, like, we're getting some good music in pop music. Like, Lizzo is mm. fantastic. This new title, The Creator stuff is, stuff, is super funky. If you go back a few years ago, you can look at, like, the Childish Gambino stuff where he was really channeling Definitely. Funkadelic and Parliament. Mm-hmm. So I think that... While it might not be the thing the decade is remembered for, it's a possibility because when you, like, decades are usually remembered for what happens in the second half. Yeah. Um, and we've gotten a lot of funk. Yeah. Uh, and that sort of thing. Funk mm-hmm. influenced stuff in the second half well, of this decade. Even then, like, Daft Punk had a huge record in what, 2014, 2013? So it's even, it's not even yeah. just the, the second half. I mean, there was right. a lot so of I think, this like, like we got kind of weepy and melodramatic in the middle of this decade mm-hmm. when it comes to pop music, but I think that the 2010s have the possibility of being remembered for just being 
fun and funky and putting out some really danceable stuff, especially in this latter half. Yeah. Okay, well, I'm going to totally counteract that. Cause <laughs> I, I think I know who you're talking about, and I'm actually going to talk about it right now. So if we're talking, for me, first, again, I, I don't really listen to rap, although I will say if I had to choose what, I, mean, I, I hear everyone, and I'm sure you, you want to talk more about depth later, and I will definitely let you do so, mm. Michael, but... Uh, I mean, I, I hear everyone I heard just praising um, Pimpin' Butterfly. I mean, that's the one I heard everyone going gaga over. Even sure. like metal, like there's like a, like a metal like YouTube critic. I remember when that album came out, and he was talking about how amazing it was. Mm. So again, I, I can't say for certain. I don't know the genre well enough to really give like actual criticism on it. But sure. like, no, no, I definitely see like that's something that people will remember. Well, you also fell into some of the more poppy side of the 2010s too with acts like Lord. That was just, yes, yep. that's what I was going to talk about. So, I mean, you mentioned the, the William Weepy stuff, but here's the thing. I think reason I mentioned Lord, and I actually do kind of, kind of consider myself a Lord fan, um, it's because, well, I'll go into some of the negatives right now, I guess, with this decade. We, we were still transitioning out of the wasteland of, mu- of mainstream music that was the 2000s, and I, I know you watch his YouTube channel, I've mentioned him on the show before, but Todd in the Shadows, if you go mm-hmm. back, who, who who is a YouTube critic who reviews a lot of like popular songs at the time, go back and watch some of his videos from like the turn of the decade to like 2012, 2013. Yeah. Oh my God, there was so much fucking garbage. Yeah. Do you remember Hot Shell Ray? Do you remember oh, fucking Alpha Mio? Like, these <laughs> are just horrible. Yeah. Like, mainstream music was terrible. And right. then suddenly, out comes this weird fucking, like, goth girl from New Zealand. She's, she's yeah. making really interesting-sounding electronic pop with um, just this really earn, with this really earnest delivery still with it. Um, you know, and obviously, her, her album, Pure Heroin, broke up, like broke her into the scene in her EP before as well. She and, saved us. She I mean, she really... She... I think she... I think that's a, that's a great way of putting it because I think, I mean, I, I, I'm still not a huge, like, as far as, like, modern pop, so I'm modern pop stars, I still just cannot stand. Mm. But Lord kind of, at least for me, changed my perspective. I think, and I think maybe for a lot of people, she made the pop scene look respectable again. She brought respectability back to it. Like, in case, and now look, I mean, like, Taylor Swift. One, one of, if not the worst artists in the music industry at the start of this decade. She was just... Oh. Red is an abomination. It is a oh, war people crime. People are going to be it coming for you. Yeah. It is just the worst thing. Not me. She's not, like, that good now. But even just two years later, 1989 was still a step up. It was yeah. still not good. Oh, but it was a step up. And, and she, she's, she's, she's embraced the fact that, okay, I'm not, I'm not a country star. She's not trying to be a, a southern belle. Mm-hmm. She's not trying to be this cutesy, like, teen star. She's just... She, she, she's evolved and I think not I'm not going to say necessarily in a good way but it's definitely she's definitely in a better place now than well, she was at the start yeah so I, I think Lauren and now to an extent Billie Eilish is there yeah I was just going to mention Billie Eilish space as well they're bringing that respectability back to the pop scene which I really appreciate I think the music's pretty decent as well cool uh, should we just get into our rock picks I, now? Well, now I, I do I just want to have a little more general discussion about sure. some some of the rock scenes because I mean, oh, there was something I wanted to bring up. Go, go, what, um, I would say that because we were talking about how pop music was kind of saved in this decade, I'd say that the same thing happened to yes. rock music mm. in a lot of ways. Like the big revolutionary thing that comes to my mind, not necessarily musically revolutionary as far as making anything new is like the sort of Chicago, New York 
scene that happened in mm-hmm. like the 2012-2013 area when you had bands kind of all over the country honestly like you got Twin Peaks coming out of Chicago yes. and you have Fiddler coming out from the West Coast and just a new punk rock basically that it, it's really kind of, indie punk rock yeah it turned, really what it turned everything on its yeah, head yeah, we, we have Max Marco think of indie rock combined with you know punk rock mentalities that is kind of a term that festered in this decade too is indie rock and we've talked about it before of how th- that term doesn't really make a lot of sense no because that can mean anything no. that's like on an independent label. And now it's kind of, people have kind of defined it with a, a sort of sound now where it's kind of like bright, kind of psychedelic twists on um, punk and like post-rock based music. Um, like I turn it like... some folk as well. Sure. There. I turn it like Tame Impala when I think, mm. or like the early Tame Impala of when I think of like indie, like psychedelic rock, you know? Yeah. And, and it's music like that, like you're saying, that really kind of, um, you know formed itself a sort of stereotype in this decade. Um, and now there's kind of like a subculture of people that follow that sort of music. So, And uh, something else, um, we were talking a lot about indie rock, and I definitely think there's something to be said about that. But if we're even looking at like another kind of negative part of this decade, that modern rock radio, like the stuff that still gets like popular with like your general rock fan, mm. most of it still sucks. Like, yeah. They're still playing Dairy of a Dead Man, I don't know if they've ever heard Star Set, but they're awful. They're a band mm-hmm. that's came out, and they should be purged from this universe. Mm. Which is funny enough, because they're like a space-themed rock. They're stupid. Um, like, really, like, like... They should go jet- back to their home planet. <laughs> <laughs> sure. Sure, that, is, that isn't ours. You follow some mainstream <laughs> rock, though. But, like, Rival Sons have become mainstream. So, rock. yeah, there, there were some bright spots. I mean, Jack White and Foo Fighters still... Just, whenever they release stuff, and as long, long as they're good, you know, they... Well, hopefully they're good, but like when they release stuff, they still get reliable airplay. Mm-hmm. You know, like um, I mean, Weezer, well, Weezer's not whatever. We're not going to. We're not going to talk. We're not going to do we're, that. We're done talking about Weezer for ever. Ever. <laughs> Thank you. But um, but no, you right, Rival Sons. That's actually another great example. Um, what was I think? Royal Blood. Royal. Uh, well, like, I like kind of lost some of their attention, but Royal Blood was good when they were around. And I know you hate them, Michael. I know you hate them, but I'm gonna say it. I think Volbeat was one of the more. Uh, at the start, at the start of the decade, they were one of the more unique sounding bands to be played on rock stations. I think they had a really unique sound, and I'll maybe I'll talk about more just a little bit later. But I, I think rock, but for the most part, rock, rock radio still sucks. Which luckily we have streaming now, and that really changed the game. And talk about the underground stuff. I think this is right now the best time to be a music fan. I will stand that. I will yeah. argue that tooth and nail because Definitely. of the internet. The internet provides you a wealth to look at music of the past with mm-hmm. ease and to discover new bands you've never heard just listening to the radio or just yeah. going because or even just going to record stores. Like, bands have such a wider reach. It's easy for bands to become runaway huge underground hits now. Yep. It's much easier for that. And All points we talked records. about in the Bandcamp episode. Yeah, I'd say that um, it's along with being the best time to be a music fan, it's the best and worst time to be a musician because mm-hmm. it's the means of production are fully in the hands of the populace. It's super easy to record. It's mm-hmm. super easy to get stuff out wherever you want it, super yep. cheap. It's just really hard to get discovered because everyone can do it now. So there are a million yeah. bands that all sound the same, and you got to try and stand out. It's a glut of, of, of just a bunch of basic artists trying to be something, mm-hmm. which it's it's hard to stand out. Right, but there really is something for everybody. I think on this episode alone, we have 
two transgender people from different bands yeah. that we're going to be talking about. Mm -hmm. So like there's no, there are no big labels that are barring mm -hmm. artists from releasing stuff. You can release whatever you want, no matter who you are. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And that's beautiful. Definitely. But yeah. The, yeah, talking about streaming services, I mean, we all have our Spotify playlist pulled up right now. Streaming really changed the game in this decade, and Absolutely. it's going to continue to do so. Um, but, well, what, 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 did, what should, do you have a preferred streaming service? Um, yeah, I'm a Spotify guy, because you can do the Spotify family, so yeah. I yeah, Which is why I friends. have Spotify, too. I, I got Spotify simply because... Um, I like the way it's set up, and I'm not. And they don't emphasize like radio stations, really. Yeah, I don't. You care know, about they that. emphasize kind of a collection of music. Like yeah. they still call it a library of music. Yeah, um, which is where, what I like too. Whereas services like Pandora, you know, will emphasize like the radio yeah. stations and yeah. stuff. Like here's music that sounds like this. Like no, no I know what I know what I want to yeah, listen I, to. Yeah, I, I, Pandora was fun when I was first getting to music. Mm -hmm. I, I remember there's being one that was. A radio a, a service similar to Pandora that I really liked. I don't remember what it was called, mm -hmm. but like after like at first it was great because like oh I don't I don't know Soundgarden very well. I don't know like I I don't know a lot of these bigger names very well. But mm -hmm. like suddenly it's like oh I'm really into like grunge now. Play me some grunge bands I haven't heard. Like okay here's a grunge stations. We're gonna play you Soundgarden. We're gonna play you Stone Temple Pilots. We're gonna play you Nirvana. Like mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, this is uh, you. I already know all this now. This is boring, yeah. and so you have to go out on your own. Of course, I, don't like I have my gripes with streaming services and Spotify. I don't like how in recent updates they've emphasized um, playlists over albums. I don't like how they've emphasized like you know making your own collection of songs. Because um, I'm not a song. You know, all of us here we're not song listeners. We're album listeners. We like to listen and take in the full. I'm both, work. But yeah, yeah you know? I know what you mean. Well. Yeah, but like people like you know people who listen in that way, I feel like are not represented in streaming services. I'd like to see a streaming service arrived that kind of cater caters think, to that. Yeah, I think that I like the streaming services, and then also I make no money off of the streaming services. And I get like a hundredth of a penny for every play. Yeah. That might be generous. It yeah. might be more like a thousandth of a penny. Yeah, and then I think the I've made like. I've had music on streaming for a year, and I think I've made, mm, like, 10 bucks. Wow. Yeah, and it, there's the other point. Like, there's another kind of drawback with streaming services. It's the fact that, yeah, it makes it very easy for people to discover it. But, I mean, a lot of these streaming, it's been no secret, a lot of these streaming services don't really have good deals with artists. They don't really pay them out very well. Mm -hmm. um, and, 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 yeah, and it's very true. Like, the, the amount of money you're making isn't very good. However, I think... Fantano, but I think he made a video like Anthony Fantano. He made a video way back in the kind of beginning of the decade when streamings were streaming services were really becoming viable. Yeah. Of then, and he said, "Well, he made a really good point, saying, well, let's say I really like this one album. I buy it on vinyl or I buy the iTunes, whatever. Mm -hmm. I, I I bought the vinyl and I can play that over and over and over again. It's great, but I've only paid the artist one time." Streaming services, I can listen to that album over and over again on Spotify, Pandora, whatever. Mm -hmm. But now I have an option to pay them over and over again. Granted, obviously, it's not going to be as much at first with um, and just purchasing an album as it's full, especially on vinyl, because vinyl is very expensive these days. But um, when, when it comes, but if they got better deals... I mean, yeah, that's the big issue. It might be better for artists overall as far as payment goes. Right, but then I get a bigger, I get a better deal, and then you guys have to pay more for your Spotify accounts. I have to pay more for my Spotify yeah. account. Uh, it's it's a 
it's an interesting time we're living yeah. in. Yeah, it raises the question of um, how much do you care about music? How much do you care about artists? Are you willing to, you know, give your funding to support their art? Or are you going to kind of... Because there is some part of me that still is like... I feel like I'm committing a petty crime by streaming. Like, you know, I'm not stealing per se, but I feel like I'm jaywalking. Right. You know? Yeah, it's, I felt it's, like it's, that. It's, it's only slightly above, like, getting stuff off Napster or something. Yeah, it really is. But, uh, uh, you know, technology changes with the decade, affects the music. Well, you say technology changes the decade, but I just remembered something. Because mm-hmm. there's also been a, a return of a, a, of a music listening format. Of all things, and we all... Do it. I know in this room. Mm-hmm. Vinyl has made a huge Shit. comeback. Yeah, this that decade was this as well. decade. That is this decade. That wow. I, I think there's. I think there was just a recent article that said that um, vinyl sales are not predicted to pass CD sales for the first time since like the eighties. Well, let me plug this. I wrote an article last year for <laughs> CM Life about vinyl resurgence and some collectors here on campus. Go check that out. And mm-hmm. I feel like the trend is. Um, going back to supporting artists is a lot of people you're you're not going to see a lot of people like us three in the studio room that have over 100 LPs but you will see people that have like three to five maybe ten yeah. records on their shelf of artists they really like and they really right. respect and they want to have that physical music that they can touch and hold but you think and I, I think the, I think I saw like a poll one time I think at some point this decade I think mm-hmm. like they did a poll like final collectors in like the UK I think it's an only like 50% of them don't even like listen to the records though yeah which is something to be said like again there, there are positives and drawbacks to all these things we're talking about right I think. and honestly I'm going to put stuff on vinyl at some point. If you buy it and don't listen to it, I don't care because <laughs> I've made my 10 bucks. Yeah. So I mean, do whatever I, you want with it. Throw it yeah. in the fire. Yeah, really. It doesn't matter. <laughs> I mean, I, here's an example that just happened to me the last week. Um, I had a friend who has like maybe three records, but he doesn't have a player. You know, a lot of people, they have the records, but yeah. they don't have the player. They don't want to spend money on a good system. So I brought him up my my old uh, kind of shitty one, but hopefully it works out for him. Uh, so he can actually listen to those records because I, I love seeing budding yeah. record collectors. And, 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 yeah. and that's a kind of, a, I don't want to say, not pretentious, a, a smart, a smart record collector. Mm-hmm. Um, you, a, lot of, a lot of issues that I, I do see people talking about vinyl here. I'm sorry, you had, vinyl is Vinyl is not a, a cheap hobby. You need no, good no. gear. Throw. First of all, vinyl itself is expensive. Like new albums, like, on average, go for about twenty bucks, which is stingy, yeah, and I hate stupid. it. But that's another conversation for another day. But you need decent gear to play your vinyl. Like not even just for sound quality. Mm-hmm. If you if you get these shitty like Victrola or these shitty Crosby players, yeah. Like I'm sorry, they will destroy I'm, records. I'm like, guilty of it. It's like, and, and, and sometimes I get it. They're you don't know what you're doing. People, it's an easy access point, but. It, it, they're just not good for your right. They don't have counterweights. They, they the tracking force is too much. They don't anticipate. They're just terrible. So don't 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 go there. Even you just even just spend a little Kill bit more and go for the LP60, the Audio Techno LP60. Yeah, that's what I it, have. It, it the tracking it doesn't have a counterweight. From my understanding, the tracking force isn't that high, so it won't damage your records. It just just get, just get decent. It's automatic. It's, automatic. it's great. But yeah, we're, we're definitely seeing a um a kind of like mismatch of different eras of recording and listening techniques yes. coming together in the 2010s because oh. I think there's like this mass confusion of now we have all these things that we can do so what do we do yeah, you know, actually, how are we going to listen to this how are we going to record this from the recording side um, I would like to bring that up because there's been a huge tape resurgence not cassette tapes but recording to 
analog tape. Yeah. In you actually this have an album decade. in my top five. We can talk about that later. And um, <laughs> there are merits to both sides. I record digital because it's cheaper and it's easier, and I can get basically the same sound out of it. There's some things you want to do, like we're going to listen to Mac DeMarco later. He's a big tape guy. Not yeah. really anymore, though. Um, or not as much. Mm. But, like, we went, I think we went really crazy, if you're looking at it from a recording perspective, this uh, decade, where uh, in the beginning of the decade, everyone had to have tape, everyone had to have analog everything, like when you're looking at the indie rock scene, which we're going to be talking about. Like, everyone had to have analog everything, digital was garbage, everyone had to have the worst guitar Mm -hmm. for some reason. Yeah. So now you can buy, like, awful old Japanese imports for 500 bucks online because Mac DeMarco played one. Yep. <laughs> um, but we're, I think we have found a very good balance by the end of this decade, just in most everything music related. Like people are reconciling the analog with the digital when it comes to recording techniques. The pop music was swinging all over the place, didn't really know what it wanted to be, mm-hmm. especially in the 2000s. Then in the 2010s, it's kind of reached equilibrium. Uh, the rock scene was super, not really, I don't know if homogenized is the word, but everyone was copying Mac DeMarco, basically. Yeah, we'll talk uh, about and that. And we're still kind of working on that. But mm-hmm. everything is starting to come to a balance, which I'm thankful for. Most definitely. And then you also have the resurgence of retro gear. You touched on that, like mm-hmm. old synthesizers, old guitars, old instruments coming back from like the 70s and 60s. And now you're getting, you're, it, like it, said, you're right. It is a weird mish of moving forward, but also clinging on, you know, having nostalgia about the past. We have and lemonade they, for this last episode. Yeah, we're, cr- we're, we're cracking open. Heard it. We're cracking open some uh, some lemonades. Lemonade. And that's not code word. It really is lemonade. It really is lemonade, not hard lemonade. We got some shitty fucking mid-made <laughs> lemonade that I brought over to... Uh, to celebrate. Yeah. We're gonna, this, is, this is the PG version of a Stone Cold Beer Bash. We got a, stu- we got, we got a sound check lemonade bash. Yeah. <laughs> Are we going to get into these albums, well, these lists? Uh, yes. But one more. Any any final thoughts you have about this, to this decade? Um... Wrap up. Well, I think I'll be able to encapsulate them as I talk about these albums. So, Ben, who are you, Ben? Anything you do. Um, rock music is just getting better and better. I'm excited to see where we're going. Yay. Yeah. Um, Support local music. That, too. Yeah. I think it was pretty flimsy, pretty weak, music as a whole, at the side of the decade. But I think, as Ben said, everything's kind of rounding out. I think it is now... Runs again really good, and I think we might have something to look forward to now with uh, the with, with uh, the 2020s coming up. Mm-hmm. So oh, you and I definitely have stuff to look forward I to. I can't wait to Dino do coming back in 20. A lot is for set. Let's get into our albums. Okay. So we we were originally gonna do a top 10 albums of the decade, but then I was kind of thinking, Michael, you and I, we think we have pretty similar music tastes, mm-hmm. but um, we what we tend to favor. Is tends to differ yes. pretty uh, quite a bit. So what I decided, and Ben joined us, so then we would let him make his own top five <laughs> as well. Uh, we love you, Ben. We wanted you to. Don't worry. But um, what we decided to do is make our own personal top fives and rank them and choose whatever you want and mm-hmm. why you chose them. Like uh, for me personally, I try to keep mine as a quote-unquote objective as possible. Again, there's a lot I missed. I didn't even get into music until 2013, so there's a lot that I, I kind of glanced over. So 
Yeah. It's not going to be the definitive top five, what I think is the definitive top five albums of the decade, just based on what I've heard and just trying to put out my biases, with my personal bias as much as I can. Mm-hmm. These are what I think are... These these five from my five are the ones I think stand out from the decade. I don't that, know how you guys chose yours. That's how that's similar to how I did mine too. I also kind of kept the overall mood and like soci- sociology of the decade mm-hmm. in mind too. Especially when I'm going in a, an album later um, by Fleet Foxes and different bands like that, and also the Mac DeMarco thing of like what what albums literally like people copied from this decade and tried to you know do everywhere. Um, that's how I kind of chose mine with the, with that mindset. Um, I, there's plenty of albums that I listen to more that I could have chosen as Same. you know as my top five, um, but these are the ones that I think um, are going to be remembered uh, along with this decade. Um, ben did a little, way different than you and I, though. Yeah, I kind of I went completely personal because mm-hmm. I'm not like I'm good at. I'm a good pop music listener. Like every once, once every few months, since the charts change so little, my friend and I will just go through. We'll talk about everything on the charts. Mm-hmm. We'll rate it all. We'll just look at it for ourselves. Like I keep up with the pop music. I keep up with the indie stuff, and I listen to what gets big. But like, I when it comes down to the music, I love. I have relatively specific interests. Like a lot of these artists are relatively small compared to especially some of the bigger stuff we have mm-hmm. for you so I, I just went super personal all this stuff is really really important to me usually just to me not really in a sentimental context more in just a this music has helped me a lot out to be alive yeah a lot you and you have some personal stories behind the album yeah definitely it's just made my my life better all this music mm-hmm. and that's why i picked it cool um all right, who wants to start with the number five pick? By the way, mine is kind of like out of order, so like mine kind of can be up for I, grabs with the numbers, but... but yeah. I, I try to choose mine in like specific order, I think, from like number five is like the least, quote-unquote, quote-unquote, the least... Go ahead and good start like with yours, your number five. You want me to go first? Yeah. All right, so um, I wanted to include at least one metal album on my list um, because, well, I don't think metal's in a great place. I think we definitely saw um, an improvement, like... Like all of those genres, we definitely saw an improvement with metal this decade. A lot of the great thrash bands of the past have come back. I mean, not maybe not so much the big four. I don't think the big four had a bit of a shaky decade, but a lot of the ones under them, you know, Overkill, Death Angel, Testament, Creator, I had some amazing record. And I mm-hmm. might touch on that a little bit more in my honorable mention section, but um, I also kind of wanted to choose something that's a little more recent, a little more youthful, I suppose, in a way, just to kind of keep it with. The, the band well can kind of keep it within the decade and technically my band was formed in the mid 2000s so not super into that but they are a much younger band than a lot of those other guys so I felt justified picking them they're also kind of quote-unquote underground but they, they've been featured on Amoeba's um, what's in my bag they, they've garnered enough of a following I feel now in the metal sphere to have um, made me feel comfortable picking it. it's not just you know some nothing band uh the band is called warbringer and uh, the album is called woe to the vanquished um you might have missed this one um that's fine this album came out in 2017 uh it's roughly 40 minutes long and i think it is pretty badass uh they have one of the best singers that i've heard in metal these days i think he's absolutely fantastic he's got a shriek like no one else in in the, in the genre right now um i think they got a great guitar tone i think uh they're 
Axe player is pretty decent as well, and songwriting is pretty much there. Um, I mean, the lead single, and which I'd like Ben to play a little bit for us right now. Yeah. Um, it's called Silhouettes, the first track. Uh, if you'd like to, you can skip to maybe about 30 seconds in. I just okay. want to hear, have him hear that opening scream from the dude. <laughs> As you can hear, the dude has an awesome shriek, and I think they're just a really talented band. It's one of the reasons why I picked this one. Again, I think songwriting again is there. Um, it's serious. It's probably the most serious thrash metal album you can find this decade, as far as you know topics and whatnot. What are you laughing at? And and one more thing, and I get it. It's not one of the hot button issues that would happen this decade, but I don't hear a lot of strong anti-war sentiments, anti-war mes messages in music anymore. Mm -hmm. And I think it's still very relevant. We're still bombing eight different countries. Trump's talking about invading Venezuela and North Korea and yeah. everywhere else on this fucking planet because we're just, you know, that's just a bunch of imperialists. But that's neither here nor there. Um, I think it's a very relevant album this day decade. I think these, I definitely want to see more where these guys are going. Maybe I should have picked Havoc's Conformer side. I felt there's too many clunkers still on that one for me to really put that one on this list. So I chose Warbringer. All right. <laughs> okay. Let me let me let me break it down for you for the start stuff that I liked first. Production's really tight. Like really I tight. I I loved how the bass sounded in this specifically. Not a lot of thrash can get that bass right, um, especially modern thrash, and they got it down packed. I I agree that vocals were on point as well. Um, love the guy's shrieks, but also just the uh, the screaming's really reminiscent. It took me back to like my metalcore days too, and that may sound cr cringy at first, yeah. but I you know I do appreciate that. No, form and of there's a lot. He, he yeah. does have dynamics with his voice. Definitely love. Yeah, and and you can't lose when you sing in that style. That's so hard to get is those dynamics. Is you know a lot of people will go from like screaming to like kind of singing in a melodic way, but like it's screaming all the way through, and then he just shrieks. Like it just takes it to. It goes up instead of going down. You know what I mean. Mm -hmm. So that I loved, but uh, I I just don't understand why this album, above a lot of other good metal and thrash picks specifically, like if I were to pick a metal album, which I did, um, which I, I don't know, you know, is neither here nor there, but I I would have gone with like something like black metal, something that had a little more like presence in this decade in terms of metal. Well, I mean, thrash is. Well, first of all, I think Thrash definitely made a comeback this decade. It was a little shaky in the really? last decade. Yeah, a lot of great, a lot of old metal acts really came back really, really strong this decade. King Giz, which is almost, which was yes. almost my metal pick, just made a fantastic Thrash record. That's true. I think Thrash is making a comeback, and, and I get it. it's not the most modern sound to have picked with this. I mean, granted, neither is black metal. Let's be real here. Um, although black metal still has its place in time too, but I think Thrash definitely has its place again, and. Again, like, again, I was debating whether to put that King Giz record or the Havoc album, their la the last Havoc record could have also been on this. But I, ju I just think really, I, everything I think that makes Thrash Metal really good kind of came together with this record. I remember just getting a lot of praise when it came out by, by a lot of metal critics, so... 
Um, yeah, it, it's a bit of an odd pick, I will admit. I'm not going to say that it's not, that it, 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 it might be a bit of a stretch to put it on, on, like, we're talking best albums of the decade. But I think mm-hmm. if we're talking metal, I think this definitely deserves to be in the conversation. Okay. Any thoughts on it? Uh, I don't know. Like, I like metal music a lot. I just don't like this kind of metal music. That's my thing. Like, okay. I, I like the music part of it. The production was really good. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I liked the guitar tone, which... You can get a really bad metal guitar tone, but this, like, the guitar sounded good, bass sounded good. I yeah. like the drumming. Some of the songwriting, like, Remain Violent, I was like, okay, that sounds kind of stupid. Mm. And then it yeah. was a little stupid, and I like but a little bit stupid. It, but it was also talking about police brutality right. as well. So yeah, no, it, maybe it had that kind of stupid, like, call, like you know, gang vocals, but it was also about a very serious issue, so I think it kind of holds I, it, back. It has ideas that I like a lot, but it, for metal, for me, it all comes down to the singing. And I, I like a, like, Bruce Dickinson kind of okay. soaring vocalist as opposed to more of a screaming thing. And that's mm-hmm. just me. So it's just not my thing. I think the production's mm-hmm. tight. I can see why you had it. It's just not for me. Valid point. And one more thing, and I don't want to spend too long on this one. Again, I mentioned anti-war sentiments earlier. Silhouette's just is a great song about nuclear annihilation. It's just when he said, we're ghosts, that, like, slight echo effect. Talking about production, I think the... Vocal vocals were actually really well produced on this, and it's just it's just little slight things like that just makes just gives it a chilling effect. And really, I mean, good when the guns fell silent is like an eleven minute long epic to end this record. So it's great. I, I think it's really good. Again, I'm not. I I know this is a bit of a stretch to put put it talk about the best of the decade, but this is going to be kind of my out there pick, and I I think it's a really strong one. Uh, not enough people are talking about it. I I think so. Definitely go check this out if you didn't catch this. But from when, from when I was looking at all the metal records, if I wanted to go with more recent bands, this is the record I had to pick. So cool. that's why it's my number five. If you don't mind me going next, just to keep with the metal theme, um, I wanted to bring up my metal pick in all of this, which is going to bring up a lot of other talking points, um, is Sleeps the Sciences. Um, this is a stoner metal record, and I mean stoner metal record. I mean the the opening track like after the the kind of interlude that goes first is marijuana theme um you know and like the botanist you know and stuff like that and you look at the album title and it's just a you know a spaceman with a bong and then you were there when i bought the record yes. on vinyl you open it up and you get like a breakfast table like and then you get a bong on the breakfast table you know but like look this why i love this record is not only that the you know, the way they were able to produce this record so those guitars are just so tight with such large riffs was so was definitely a big undertaking. Bass is just chunky. It really reminisces, like, Geezer Butler style playing, which is, you know, another track on there called Geezer Butler. But, like, Black Sabbath, right? Mm-hmm. This band, a lot of the criticism is, like, it's Black Sabbath slowed down to the point where it's just, like, mind-numbingly, you know, yeah. this is what you get high to. But, like... It's so unique in the way that it does it. And, you know, I think of, like, scenarios, like, here's another phenomenon that happened this decade. Ready to get into this? Greta Van Fleet, okay? A band that <laughs> okay. that profited off sounding like old music, right? And the Sleep the Sciences is how you should be reminiscing on old music while also making it unique. You have to wear your influences on your sleeves. You have to be tongue-in-cheek sometimes, but also painting it in this unique way and not completely copying 
another band. <laughs> so say what you will, Andrew, but that's that's my point for yeah. argument. I, you know, I, I really like this record. Um, again, I'm not like the biggest Stoner Metal fan, so maybe that's why I wouldn't have considered it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, if, if you know Sleep, you know this record. I mean, it's just, it's it's another Sleep album. Yeah, there, there are some differences, but it's not even the most ambitious record they've ever made. They have a whole, they have an entire album, hour-long album that's just basically one song. So they, they've, I feel like they've made more ambitious stuff in the past. <laughs> but beyond that, I mean, I mean, no, this is a perfectly acceptable record. I know everyone was praising this thing. Um, I mean, it made that the, the, the Black Sabbath references were a little too on the nose for me. I don't know, it's a little too much, but, I mean, yeah, I mean, Antarcticus, Antarcticus, when Antarcticans thawed, oof, yeah, fucking ace. So, mm-hmm. no, cl- classic sleep record. I- I'm, I'm, I'm cool with this. Get <laughs> get one. I said cool. Antarcticans, cool. Nice. You had some thoughts too, Ben. We were talking about it earlier. Yeah, I, I don't know. Like, I'm not really a stoner metal guy per se. I like Sabbath, but when I look at Sabbath, I like the faster later stuff from Sabbath. Interesting. Um, and you look at this record, and it was daunting getting into it. Like you have three songs that are over 10 minutes uh, and the other ones there's only one song that's three minutes and it's just feedback it's just the intro so like like I found it fine I found it interesting it felt kind of like a, a jam session or something like that to me mm-hmm. and I like it from that aspect of just looking at it as an interesting album it's just not really my thing. The production, again, like I would like to talk about that because it all sounded really good to me. Mm-hmm. And I like the point of taking your influences and taking them somewhere else. It definitely felt like something I'd read about on a music blog somewhere, go and listen to, come back and be like, I don't really understand. Like, I don't get it. Yeah. And not that that's a negative thing. I just don't get it. Hmm. So is there anything you want to play from it? Yeah, go ahead and play uh, Sonic Titan specifically. Like maybe go, that song's about what? Is that like the nine minutes song? That's 13 minutes. 13 minutes. So go about seven minutes in. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think that's when it starts to pick up and just pay about 30 seconds of those riffs. That's just a good example of the kind of like, you you know, you can hear that Black Sabbath in there. Definitely. But it's not completely a carbon copy yes. like some other bands of this decade did. From Frankenmuth, Michigan. From Frankenmuth, Michigan. <laughs> anyway, I'm surprised you didn't argue me more on that point. I mean, I, I think Rat of is fine, but at this point, I don't care enough to argue. Damn. All right. Ben, your turn. Okay. So my fifth pick, I flip-flopped a lot on this. I was really looking at putting something like Changes by Charles Bradley in there, which is my favorite soul record to come out the past decade. Mm. I was really looking at putting uh, Mac DeMarco's Rock and Roll Nightclub because that's the record that introduced me to him. It's also my favorite of his. Um, but I saw we had Mac DeMarco elsewhere, and this one is important to me from a uh, like sentimental area. So Blood Boy is an artist that I've been into for the past two-ish years. She's out of California. Um solo artist just makes some pretty like standard 
indie rock, I'd say. There are definitely some interesting elements she throws in there, and I like the songwriting a lot. Uh, she finally put an album out this year, relatively recently, which she'd been sitting on for a while. But the story behind my acquaintance with this is she had a few singles out. Nothing else was coming out. This was 2018. And over the summer, my friend Declan Katie, who goes here, he DM'd her, and we were talking back and forth mm. with her, and she just sent us the album, unmastered, and with a, an extra track that didn't so end up making the cut. So cool. And we, awesome. that basically became our album of that summer. We'd listen to it all the time, and we really dug it. So I think that that's the big reason this is on here. It finally got done. It's finally streaming. And it, I think it's so important to me. I don't know if it necessarily fits on a top five list, but it's so important to me because it was kind of just our secret album. It was like our thing that we could show to some of our friends. Yeah, yeah. it was just a really cool experience, even if it's maybe not the most solid album, but some really fantastic songs. I'm going to play what's probably my favorite from it, and it was the first single from it called Sex Crime. So there you go. Nice. Yeah, I definitely like this album. Um, mainly the A side. Like I was just mentioning, I fell off a little bit towards the second half, um, just because it started to all sort of blend together. But a track like FKA Surfer Girl had me hooked really hard. Um, Sex Crime, of course, was great. Um, and I even like the the closing track, uh, Die Aunt Mary. That one was pretty <laughs> good as well. One. But anyway, um, you, you pretty much mentioned all my favorite my favorite songs too. Mm-hmm. Those are my I, again. I mean, this this stuff's right up my alley. Again, kind of surfy indie mm-hmm. rock. Um, not again. I wouldn't really put this like is like album of like you know put this like one of the best albums of the decade. But no, this is I, I did enjoy this quite a bit, and I can now with the backstory that you put on here, I understand why you have this right. Top yeah. five. This is this is kind of like how I've you know supporting your local music and stuff like that. This is how I feel with like Dogleg. Like it was it was now they're getting big, but like for a while they were like my my thing, you know, and it was just like the stuff that me and my group of friends would like, we'd catch them every time they were in town and we'd, you know, we once, uh, we would DM the singer and he once sent uh, my friend Aaron like a, a couple tracks that were unreleased and like just kind of getting thrown together. So like the feeling of having your own you know, artist or your own album. Yes. Like, there's nothing like that. Well, yeah. It's like, this is my thing. And it was kind of a magical thing then and it kind of always will be because I don't, re- I don't even remember what song it was, but this was an 11-track album. Mm-hmm. Now it's 10. So awesome. we have something that no one else has, really. That's awesome. So, yeah. So, lesson learned. If, 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 if you really love a local artist, bother them until they send you the music early. Definitely. And with that being said, we'll move into my number four pick of the decade. And I'm not going to spend too long on this one because we already did a whole episode on this artist, St. Vincent. And I chose her 2011 album, Strange Mercy. I feel like I should have put this higher. But it's too late now. Um, I, I I talked about how much I really liked St. Vincent on that episode and how much I love this album. I think this is her 
Yeah, our most ambitious or bold record, but certainly her perhaps her most creative and her most organic sounding record to me. It mixed in with creativity. Um, I think she does amazing fretwork on this. I think there's just some just fantastic songs, some of my favorite of the decade, but she Northern Lights is just one of the most crazy Definitely. frenetic build ups you'll ever hear this decade. It's a really good one. Um, I love her voice too. Um, production, I think, is really good on this as well. I think she's just really. It, I'm not gonna. It, it's not gonna quite a generation defining album. I don't think so. I think she might be kind of an artist. She might be kind of a generation defining artist, at least with the music we listen to. Sure. Not yeah. not sure she has like an album that you can really point to. It's like that's the single one. I think I mean, just after that episode, old. I still go back to those early records where she's yeah. kind of a more folk persona yes. on there. But love loved but, how you introduced me. To Sam yes, and. And, and certainly those 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 records she put out in the two thousands were great too. But I think this is, to me, this stands as her as her best. I think it really does. I think it just really encapsulates what the stuff she does really well. I think her songwriting is at is at the top of this. So. Um, Ooh yeah. No. Nice. So. Um, yeah. Again, not gonna spend too long because we've already already talked much. I love this record. If you really want to hear more about it, go back and listen to Saint Vincent episode. Cool. But um, you play that, a track? I any. Uh, Yes, let's play a bit of Northern Lights. All right. If you say it is, then I guess it is. What you say it is, but I don't feel anything. Cause your pendulum is in swing again. Yeah, your pendulum hasn't swung back. So um, yeah, uh, I know you. I know you really liked Saint Vincent. Yes. I know this wasn't among your favorites, but what, what do you think about this being on this list? I like this better than the self-titled. That's for sure. Out of those that era of Saint yeah. Vincent, um, still my favorites. Like I said, is going back to Marry Me and um, Actor. Mm-hmm. Uh, those ones where she's a little more earnest, a little more honest with mm-hmm. her lyrics. Um, this I think is she's very well, not, not earnest and honest, but I think she's very introspective on this mm-hmm. record. I think she's very. Uh, she 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 definitely explores a lot of cool things that I really like. I, it, you don't really get that same like earnestness that she you had before, but you definitely you definitely got another side of her, and I think it's a really good exploration. Of yeah, her. it's all points we brought up in the episode, yeah. and I strongly recommend going back to that one because I remember how my mind was blown that like one that Andrew was into this, and two that I've never come upon this before in my life, and like you know I really fell into uh, that early Saint Vincent, so definitely deserves an album on this list. So um. Yeah. What about you, Ben? Yeah, I liked it a lot. I liked, I liked it when it got a little crazier on something like Northern Lights. Like that's more my speed. Yeah. Um, so the 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 more smoothed out stuff, not really my thing. Mm-hmm. Which I feel like I'm saying a lot, but um, I, it's, it's a solid record. Yeah. I see why it's here. And again, I I think she is definitely she 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 really came into her own. She she was already doing some great work at, at around the turn of the decade, but I I think. Really, she really came. It became like a truly like alternative rock icon this decade. So I think she definitely belongs. Has deserves to have a place on this list. And that's all I'm going to say. Cool. Um, going into my number four pick, 
Um, I chose an album that I literally just recommended on the last episode. Um, <laughs> at the very end of the episode, I recommended uh, the classic uh, indie folk album at this point. I'd consider it definitely a classic. Uh, Fleet Fox's Helplessness Blues. Mm-hmm. Um, this album is, going back to my points about encapsulating the attitude of a decade, the kind of sociology and the just overall personality of a decade, this album has the strongest lyrical themes I've heard in a long time when it comes to um, adapting as a millennial to this generation, adapting as a young person just growing up in this in this decade. Um, you know, it kind of touches on, like, here's what my parents had to deal with and here's what I have to deal with, you know? The, the, here's all the challenges that are I, I have to face. How am I going to tackle that, you know? And, you know, that, those lyrical themes are, of course, paired with some of the best um, folk production in... in in the modern era, I think Fleet Foxes are so talented at making things just sound ethereal and kind of like mm-hmm. uh, transcendent almost in terms of production. It's, it's glittering. It's it's golden. It's uh, you know, and you you can get songs that are songs that are grandiose and just absolutely explosive, like uh, the Shrine, where there's a lot of emotion in there. You get some you know powerful vocal delivery, and then you can strip it down. To a song like uh, The Plains or Blue Splotted Tail, um, where it's just a, a, a acoustic guitar, finger-picking guitar, and a vocal delivery, you know? So, so much dynamic on this album. Um, I want to play, uh, just, you can go from the start of Sim Salabim. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. that, that is my personal favorite on here. My favorite, too. Yeah, just go ahead and play that from the start for like 30 seconds. He was so kind, such a gentleman to the ocean side Light and a match on the suitcases latching the fading night Ruffled the fur of the collie neath the table Ran out the door through the dark Carved out his initials in the So yeah, that was just a little cut of my favorite song, Sim Salabim. Um, other favorites also goes to the Shrine just for that really powerful vocal delivery and the opening track, Montezuma. Um, listen to that track before even delving into the rest of the album for like a week straight because I just got so caught up in that production and that sound and I was so excited to get into the rest of the album, but all I wanted to do was listen to the title track because it blew me away yes. when I first listened to it. Uh, so I will admit, uh, I did kind of glance over the Flea Floxes really forever. I know they're not just a this decade mm-hmm. band, but uh, this one kind of missed me by. I know I did hear a lot of people talking about at the end of this, so I was like, okay. I mean, they've always seemed like a band that would bore me, although I do really, although I do like Father John Misty, who's the former drummer of... I didn't know he liked Father John Misty. I do like, I'm not like a huge fan of him, but I do like Father John Misty, and, I, nice. and he's a former drummer at the Flea Foxes, and I think he's really come into his own as a solo artist this decade, so, I mean, he's really good, but... Listening to this, I actually re- found myself pleasantly surprised. I really, really like this. And I dare say this, uh, there is a chance this could have made my list if, if, if oh, I, if I wow. had listened to it. It was really good. No, nice. this was fantastic. Um, I really love The Plains and Bitter Dancer, Matsuzuma and Sim Salabim. Those are probably my three picks. Uh, maybe maybe The Cascades as well. Nice. Um, but um, I guess my only small ripe, I actually, you said the production's good and it is really good mm-hmm. maybe a little too good because with, with all the guitars and everything i was hearing it, i felt like it, it kind of 
it, it was a gr- it was really interesting because again, lyrics are great. It talks about coming into your own as a millennial for mm-hmm. sure. But it also kind of delivered in a very almost rustic kind of feel with the guitars and how everything sounded. Right. Problem is that it didn't feel quite as rustic as it should have. I feel because the, maybe the production is just a little too slick. Okay. If that makes sense. It, sure. But but again, it, that I feel like that's just a nitpick. Um, I mean, it, it's something I noticed and something I kind of slightly glared on me. But overall, I think this is actually a really solid record, and I kind of pissed I missed out on this for the entire decade. So, okay. go, um, go back no, and listen is, to this. This is a great pick, Michael. I think this is absolutely. I can definitely see why some people could have had this as their album of the decade, so. Now I really want Ben to, like, destroy it, but I I don't know if that's what you're going to (laughs) do. It makes perfect sense for it to be on here. I think it's a solid record. The production's good. The songwriting is good. To me, Fleet Foxes is just kind of a uh, record store owner, record collector kind of (laughs) band. Interesting. Like, I was getting Shades of Nick Drake from it i was getting shades of a lot of more obscure stuff and it just like they're definitely one of those bands that i'd kind of call them the second tier of record collecting like you go in and you get your big stuff you get your whatever whatever beatles album you prefer you get like maybe a something from led zeppelin probably and then you you go up to the guy and you're like hey I, i i know these bands but i want something new and the record store owner says, oh, Fleet Foxes, here you go. Interesting. Like, it feels like one of those, there's a scene in High Fidelity where John Cusack's character says, and now I will sell five copies of the three EPs by the beta band. And he puts them <laughs> on the table, and then he just easily sells a bunch of copies of this record. It's, it feels like a record, you'd walk into a record store, it would be on, and you'd say, holy shit, what is this? Give it to me. Mm-hmm. And that's not a bad thing. Okay. I have heard it described as like, one of like the ultimate hipster band, Flea Floxes, which is unfortunate. It's all because I, I, I really like this, um, but I can see why it might have their reputation. The first, um, their first, their debut album, their self-titled, is mm-hmm. definitely like you see that album cover, and it's like I've seen that in every record store I've walked into <laughs> ever. Um, even in like carried I, by the guy with the fucking top hat. Well, like, I actually the, bought my <laughs> copy. I bought my copy from Barnes and Noble. Oh. So, <laughs> yeah, feeding the corporation. Yeah, there you go. But like you know, it just goes to show you that when you think when you think of vinyl and you think the resurgence of vinyl, you think Fleet Foxes, I guess. But well, I'm glad you liked it, Andrew, and I'm glad you got some pleasure from yeah. it as well, Ben. But uh, let's move into Ben's next pick. Okay, so my next band, uh, they just put out their debut album last year. I saw them live at the University of Michigan. With a crowd of bizarre people, um, they're Grape Tooth. Grape Tooth is the best thing Twin Peaks has ever done. So, uh, <laughs> Grape Tooth is Clay Frankel of Twin Peaks mm-hmm. and some just some guy named Chris Belloni. Hmm. Um, synth duo, super duper eighties influenced, um, which could probably go to the point of annoyance for some people. Um, but they put out their record in 2018. They had a few singles before that that were all on the album. Uh, weird synth pop, super duper energetic shows. Like they've become pretty famous for their live shows. Interesting. Uh, I don't know. You've, I just you've recommended me Grape Tooth before. And I never got around to it until just now, and it's everything you told me it was. This this might be um, top for me in terms of your picks besides Mike Kroll and Parquet Courts, which we'll get to. But like um it, a song like Death 
Like mm-hmm. that's the most catchy synth I've ever heard in my <laughs> life, dude. That that is that blew me out of well, the water. Well, before we get into it anymore, let's play it. Okay. of other ones too i liked um basically that entire entire middle section that middle chunk mile after mile of death imagine on and hang over square all blew me out of the water mm-hmm. and then you have together closing it in a very unique way with kind of like a what would you describe that it's kind of like a folk like song yeah it's really interesting uh i would say that the fast songs are the strength of grape tooth but i honestly feel like they can kind of do anything within this realm of the music they're making. Yeah. Like, I really like the slow stuff like Hallelujah uh, and Together, but I really like the fast stuff like Violent, which opens the record. I just think it's, like, maybe the lyrical themes aren't the most complex. Maybe this type of music has been pretty well trod, but I think that it's super high energy, the live performances are great, super duper hooky, which is what I look for. Nice. What did you think of it, Andrew? Um, I, I really like this too. Um, I probably definitely one of the best uses of synths I've heard this decade. Nice. Really, really interesting. Yeah, I definitely agree. This definitely adds a really nice, really shiny atmosphere to it. And also keeping it very catchy. I love how this, this, this album started, Violent. I think it was a great song. I kind of like the weird funkiness that Red Vine has too. Mm-hmm. Really, really good. I mean, I think they definitely, they definitely, this is definitely a, I think this band definitely had a good example. You're talking about how kind of more of a folky ending to this record. Mm-hmm. They're definitely a band that, to me, has a does good with like keeping themselves within their sound while also kind of diverging themselves without going too far with it, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, no, I think this is really good. Really good album. For sure. Good pick, Ben. Thank you. All right. On to three. On to three. My number, th- my number three pick. Again, I feel like I, may, I should have put this higher, but I didn't want my bias to go... Um, to fly with this because oh my god, oh my god, I love this album so much. We're talking about oh, god, I have to read this too. Sometimes I sit and think, and sometimes I just sit. We're talking about Ooh. Courtney Barnett. I, I'm gonna say this right now. I'm surprised this isn't higher. I, I'm me too, honestly. But I, I try to keep my bias out of this because I'm gonna say this right now. Courtney Barnett is probably my favorite artist to have come out of this decade. I just she's just amazing I love her music so much I may also have a tiny crush on her but that's neither here nor there so that has nothing to do with my opinion on the music (laughs) um man she has I mean I I got those weaknesses for those Aussie accents man dude Here's another great example of of music coming out of Australia Australia is the mecca for great rock music it feels like this decade it's just fantastic and I think she definitely was the king of like Australian indie rock. Uh, she definitely won, like, definitely won just won the top tier of, like, indie rock, I think, this decade. Yeah. She mm-hmm. was just absolutely fantastic. Um, this was her debut record, released in 2015. 
Sorry, did you want to say something? No, you keep going. I just want to be first to talk about this before Michael, because I have a lot to say. Okay, I will. Positively. Go for it. Good. But no, I think I think she really, um, she had a lot of EPs out before this one, and this was just her first full length to really explore it. Um, and I think she did, she did everything right with this. I mean, all the songs have just, she definitely is a little more hooky with, 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 with her, with, with her, Music, you know, specifically with like some of the lead singles like Elevator Operator and Pedestrian at Best, and uh, Nobody Cares If You Don't Go to the Party, which is my favorite song. Um, but with all with keeping, and what I really love about her the most is just that incredible amount of introspection she brings through her lyrics. With both lyric writing and delivery, I this is something I'd never heard before when I, when I first heard her. She's like, never heard this level of introspection. You know, I'll put it this way: um, you're, you're kind of you're a fan of Tarantino, right, Michael? Sure. You know how some people say that they like Tarantino stuff because, well, when they, when they hear like his dialogue that he's written in the movie, it sounds oh, it sounds like how people talk. Right. I think this is when when I hear this record, this is funny enough. It's in the title. I feel like this is experience of like how people like actually think. Mm. If that makes sense, I think she really. I mean, it just it is her lyrics are kind of word salad at times, but I think that really works to her strength because it just brings this level of just like, just someone that like going through the day, someone just like in different situations, like things that just goes through all of our heads. And you mentioned how Flea Fox is kind of encapsulates what it's like to be a millennial. I think in many ways this album also does that very well, with with that with those inter, the level of introspection with yeah. all with with the way she delivers her lines, and it's just so good. Produ- production, I like. Um, songwriting, I really like. Uh, it, it's got a good mix of kind, of kind of like that word soup stuff, and with bringing really catch, really catchy hooks to it as well. Um, every song, almost every song in this album to me is memorable. I mean, not quite all of them, but close to all of them. Um, and this is just such a really good album. It's one of my favorites of the decade. It's really, I was really, really good boy. Didn't put this higher, but um, I, I think this is an absolutely stellar record. And honestly, it's how I want to remember this decade. If, uh, if you could play Ben, uh, real quick, uh, you can start from the beginning. Uh, an illustration, an illustration of loneliness. Uh, I think it best encapsulates her lyric style. I'll lay you- Yeah, um, I'm interested in what you guys have to say about this, this album. Um, I hate it when people make the comparisons, this band is the Beatles of our time, this band is the whatever of our time. But I honestly feel like Courtney Barnett, in a songwriting sense, at least, is kind of the Bob Dylan of our time. Whoa. Which Whoa. is very high praise, but I think of something like from Bob's second record, Talkin' World War Three Blues, a song like that. And it's very much, I went down the street and I saw a man and he blah, blah, blah. And it just is like, I've, uh, there's a, an interview online with Courtney Barnett from a, a site called Songwriters on Process, where she just talks about how she writes songs. And she just kind of like rides the bus, rides a subway, rides whatever, and just looks out the window and writes her song based on people and places and things that she sees. And, oh my God, yeah, her songwriting is like, 
stream of consciousness, kind of. It's very much how people think it moves me. And this is the kind of thing that I'm fine if it has a hook, and I'm fine if it doesn't have a hook. She can write ten verses in a row, and I will listen to all of them. Absolutely. I think it's a great way of putting it. Definitely. I, um... I was exposed to Courtney Barnett through a different folk singer that she's collaborated with, uh, Kurt Vile, yep. who some of you may know, um, because they did that collaborative project called Lot of Sea Lice. And I got to highlight Courtney Barnett not just as a singer and a songwriter and a lyricist, but also as a good guitar player as well. Very yeah. unique style I, of playing. Is it her who plays the guitar yep. on those records? Okay. Yeah. Sure. Well, her and Kurt both play guitar on Yeah, Lot they have a dueling Lice. solo on Over Everything. Yeah. I think. But like, the mo- one of the most prolific finger pickers of this time. She has such a unique style of playing with her nails, um, even when it comes to playing chords, where it comes off really sharp and jagged. Um, and that's how a lot of those uh, you know, more f- fast-paced songs get their kind of like really awesome, um, you know, fuzzy, kind of punky feel. Mm-hmm. But also you'll get her finger picking on a lot of songs, specifically on that album, A Lot of Sea Lice, that just absolutely blow you away of how creative those um those sequences are are formed like it and all of this i feel like is coming from a um like she you know a lot of her songwriting is kind of like accidental it feels like you know yeah. it shouldn't sound like th- sound this good but it does you know yeah it, her guitar playing's not traditional her songwriting's not traditional her lyrics are not traditional but it all comes together as like just this beautiful project. Yeah, and I, I think there's a lot of endearing charm that comes with, with her first record, but also just so much you can relate to as well. I, mm-hmm. I think there's... I, I, I gotta get off this right now because I'll talk about this record forever if I don't. Yep. But seriously, uh, if you for some reason miss this one, oh my goodness, just change that. It, this is... Just, <laughs> I... I Oh, just, just, oh God, I love this album so much. This is one of the highlights for me. Um, I... Fantano gave us like a 5 out of 10 and he can go fuck himself forever. Wow. I don't care. This, this record's amazing. So True. That's all. That's, I'm just going to end it there. A little piece of advice for y'all. Don't base your music opinions off Fantano. Don't base them off of any critic. True. They're all wrong. Yep. Um, I'll go. I'll slide in my next pick now for another artist that Fantano hates. Um, I think so for the most part. Yeah, and, now but, especially. But, a, um, but an artist that the public specifically the American public, has taken a extreme liking to. Um, I'm talking about Mac DeMarco. The flannel-wearing American public. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm talking about Mac DeMarco, who you've all heard the name of. Um, and I chose his album Salad Days, but now that I'm actually looking at it, I wish I would have gone back and chosen two. Because that is the album, and Salad Days too, because it's just an extension of what was really popular off to. Um, you know, this is the sound that every indie artist seem to want to copy um and copy they did yes they did um even to the extreme of like boy pablo shit i was just gonna say that. <laughs> jesus christ why was i recommended that on youtube why was everyone recommended that on youtube i don't know it sounds like a shitty mac demarco song i don't want to listen to that exactly and then you have it appearing in a lot of like a lot of indie i actually do enjoy like um you could say like Beach Fossils kind of copied, like, the really reverby kind of sound. Um, Unknown Mortal Orchestra kind of got that as well. That It translated into a lot of that psychedelic rock, the Tame Impalas, the, you know, all that. And no one does it as good as the original. And in this case, that's Mac DeMarco. 
Um, I'd like to go ahead and play a song real quick. Uh, go ahead and play. Go ahead and play Blue Boy. That's yeah. that kind of encapsulates that reverby, that that trademark kind of uh, Mac DeMarco tone. just a little sample of that really uniqueness you're going to find from Mac DeMarco. Um, that guitar tone uses a lot of, um, you know, it's just reverb on reverb on reverb and then a lot of um, flanger and chorus kind of effect. Yeah. Um, definitely would just like go ahead and listen to that album because you're not going to find anything that sounds like it, even though it's been copied so many times. It's not going to sound like this. Um, from front to back, this album's very exciting, and um, Ben, you know Mac DeMarco very well. Very well. Uh, I know him very well as I'm well. I'm kind of ashamed to say it now, honestly. Right? I saw him um, this year, and it was a fantastic show, but, like, I could even tell the band was, like, getting a little tired of their fans, because everyone dressed the same. Everyone's wearing sucks. Everyone, I hate it. Yeah, everyone's wearing... Loose fitting pants, sweaters, beanies, uh, oversized flannels mm-hmm. look like they haven't showered in a few weeks. Yeah, they have stuff like this where, like, you can't even button your flannel anymore. This is accidental. Yeah, this was big, my dad's. Lots of baby blue and white, and it's like, I don't know. It's it's a subculture that I think arose from the 2010s that definitely will not be looked back on with um, a lot of praise yeah it just doesn't make sense and not a lot of his fans are super respectful mm. like i remember seeing a video from last year where he tried to play uh watching him fade away which is the closer from this old dog or yeah. the second to last song mm-hmm. um and that's about his dad dying which his dad didn't end up dying but that's beside the point it's right. a super emotional song for him because he has a rocky relationship with his dad mm-hmm. he tried to sing it and there were like hooligans drunken hooligans that were yelling at him and yeah. stuff. It, he has one of those fan bases where you have the diehards, but then you have the guys and gals and other who are just coming to hear whatever. I, what's even the big stuff from him? Like, passing out pieces was really big. Yeah, uh, Chamber of Reflection. Chamber too. of Reflection, yeah. right. Like, they're just coming to hear that big stuff and have a good time and, like... It's not. It's not. It's about having a good time, but there's something to be said as Mac, with Mac DeMarco as a personality too, because mm-hmm. he's definitely like, you know, you think about like Dave Grohl, right, as being like the nice guy in rock and roll nowadays. Mac DeMarco's like this chill, kind of laid back hippie type. Really, like you, you hear him speak, and it's like, oh yeah, like that's cool. He's you know, he's a nice guy, and you can listen to him talk for a long time because he's very passionate, but he's very like chill, and he has this smooth Canadian way of speaking, you know. Um, 
And at shows, he, you know, he'll bring that out, and it's very like, all right, let's you know have a good time, let's have fun, keep it peaceful, and a lot of people will take advantage of that. But uh, Mac DeMarco as an artist, specifically on on two salad days, and then the huge amount of uh, maturation he goes through on later albums like uh, This Old Dog specifically, that is my favorite Mac DeMarco yeah. record. I but hear I, that a lot. Yeah, yeah. but I, I I chose this to encapsulate the, how it reflected on the decade. Mm. So definitely go back and, and you'll get a sense of like, oh, I've heard this before from this band. I've heard this before from this band. And it all stems from Mr. Mr. DeMarco. What do you have to say? Yeah, um, I've been silent for, for this entire conversation because shockingly, and say I'm a poser music fan, I don't care. <coughs> Are you okay? <laughs> yeah, I just choked on lemonade. We're good. <laughs> Leave this in. <laughs> Yeah, it was shock. It was so shocking that you don't like Mac DeMarco. <laughs> no, 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 I was gonna say that. I was actually I something worse. I completely skipped over Mac DeMarco this decade, pretty much. Which I know it's insane. Like, how do you do that? No, it's very know. understandable. The like, fan base I, is bad. Well, I I, I I didn't even I don't even really know much about the fan base. I couldn't say much about how toxic it is or how not toxic it is. I don't know. Mm-hmm. I, I just I hear, obviously I heard of Mac DeMarco. I heard the same. I, I I've seen the I saw the cover of Salad Days. I had to recommend it be before by people. Mm-hmm. You know so. <laughs> The, the, the name, the, the face did not escape me this decade, but certainly the music did. Um, so, listen, I probably need more time with Mac DeMarco. I need, probably should, maybe I should go back and listen to two. Mm-hmm. But listening to Salad Days, here, here, here's what I thought. And I, I definitely, first of all, I like, I, I definitely, I, 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 he definitely seems, his personality definitely comes across very well in, in, in his lyrics. I don't think he's a, a, Bad songwriter by any stretch of the mean, and I, I like his sound. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I think he's. I can def. I definitely agree with you. I can hear a lot of what came out of the indie scene during mm-hmm. this decade. Here's the thing. It, it, nothing grabbed me about this. Nothing. Yeah. Like, I mean, I liked it. I enjoyed it. I thought it was fine. But nothing jumped out at me. Like Courtney Barnett, when I heard her lyrics. That jumped out at me. Like mm-hmm. nothing about Mac DeMarco jumped out at me. I thought, okay, this is enjoyable. Like I, I don't, I don't. In that sense, I don't hear anything generation defining. I don't hear anything like album the decade worthy in yeah. that sense. You know, you know what this album sounded like to me. Hmm. This sounded to me like it was. It, it sounded like indie rock bass. It sounded like the bass of indie rock. Like it, like it was like. Plain vanilla ice cream or plain vanilla yogurt. Right. It's fine on its own, perfectly enjoyable, but like I felt it, it, it was used as a m- mixed in with other other artists took what he did. Like I can hear other artists who may have taken his sounds and may have mixed it in to do something that was something that was much more interesting. Yeah. Again, that's my two cents. Probably very unpopular. I'm sorry, I don't give a shit. No, I think that's but, that's partly due to my fault. I like I said, I if I was to revise this list, I definitely would not pick salad days. I chose it because you know you can't have the rest of the flavors unless you start with vanilla ice cream. Yes. Usually, you know. And, and, so yeah, I wanted that in there for that reason. And, and again, I, 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 I'm not discrediting you putting it on this list. Again, mm-hmm. with that reason, I, I get it. And again, I didn't. I didn't like. I didn't like it. I just felt like it didn't have enough dynamics there. I just felt yep. like everything just kind of blended in with each other. It's like mm-hmm. it's, it's just. It was. It was somewhat like as someone just so celebrated that I've heard about. Mac DeMarco, I just thought this was just kind of underwhelming. Mm. I would say if you want to try again with Mac, I would personally recommend his first record, Rock and Roll Nightclub. Mm-hmm. It was recorded a lot faster than it sounds because he slowed it all down afterwards. He has a super deep voice on it. Um, mm-hmm. 
It sounds like no other record I've ever heard. Is when was that made? That was I think 2011. I was very close to putting it on my list because it came at a really important time for me. It came right after my first breakup. So it was like part of that healing after Definitely. my first breakup, Definitely. which is weird because he's basically played it off as a joke now um, and just kind of a weird experiment he did that ended up being his debut. Right. Um, but I, I honestly find a lot of emotion in that record. I think Andrew will definitely favor the early Mac to Mark, either Rock and Roll Like Club and definitely the more dancier tracks off too, like mm. um, Stars Keep On Calling My Name, um, Freaking Out the Neighborhood. Because he does a lot more crazy yes. stuff on too yeah, than he, anywhere some, else. There's some screams that appear on there, a lot of like really fast-paced, like dancey The Stars stuff. Keep On yeah, Calling that, My that, Name. That, that does sound almost crazy. That, that, I should have started you off on that. Don't take, I hope you don't take Salad Day. Again, I like Salad Day still. It's mm-hmm. just, wouldn't, I wouldn't think of it as like an album of the decade. And that's For just sure. all. All right, well, let's move on from there. I think we spoke enough on Mac DeMarco. Definitely something you got to hear. But, um, you know, you, you when picking your starting point is pretty important. Yes. So go for it, Ben, with All your right. number three. Um, so my number three is Light Up Gold by Parquet Quartz, which was their debut yeah. from, okay. I want to say, yeah, 2013. 15 songs, 33 minutes. A lot of songs under two minutes, which you're in my bag right there. Mm-hmm. Um, I am going to just play one right off the bat so you can hear it. I love the riff that opens this. Uh, this is Tears O Plenty, which is the second to last. So that's Parquet Quartz. Um, this record is sentimental to me, which usually wasn't my criteria, and it definitely wasn't with this. I think it's a super solid record. Just reminds me of like riding my bike around in my first semester here nice. and stuff like that. Um, but I think the songs are super solid. Uh, there are lots of really cool riffs on here that are reminiscent to me of a band like Gang of Four or something like that. I like the bass playing, which improves album after album with Parquet Quartz. Uh, what do you guys think? I I knew Parquet Quartz before this album, but I've only listened to their most recent album. Um, I'm flaking on the name. Wide Awake. Yeah, Wide Awake. With Thanks. an exclamation point. Thanks. <laughs> but uh, this one is very unique because the thing I love about Parquet Quartz is the bass playing, um, almost to a Joy Division level of like technicianship and wow. just really awesome uh, bass lines and structures and I think Wide Awake is when their bass player ascended to this fantasticism um, but this is the album where you kind of see him coming into well this is own. their debut correct? yeah this is the debut okay well this is like just uh, beginning to kind of trademark themselves and you mentioned before this is this album kind of all fading into like one long epic punk song 
and I can definitely speak on that to, as well. I, I was not bored at one point. Absolutely not. And, you know, the thing I love about parquet courts and the thing I love about the modernization of punk music in this style is that uh, they don't stick with melodic themes for too long. You know, you can still have the blocky bar chord structures that all the old punk guys used to do, but having that same thing for a three-minute song is not going to cut it anymore, you know? you got to get a little creative, and Parquet Courts does that perfectly. And I will say, I, this is probably my second favorite uh, of your picks, Ben. Uh, the first, I think you have listed up next, and we'll get to that okay. later. But... Um, yeah, I, I was surprised to see that hey, you hadn't had you had you, you didn't choose the uh, the most recent one, um, Wide Awake, because I heard everyone and their mother praising that record, and and I've only picked up a couple of Parquet Courts stuff here and there, but um, listening listening to this, I my God, if this is if if, if Wide Awake is even like ten, like a tenth of how good this is, I can definitely see why people were praising it. Um, the light of, my, light of Gold is just fantastic. Again, like Michael said, I wasn't bored at all listening to this. Um, I think was, although one, uh, probably actually the longest song on this album actually was the one that stood out to me, Stoned and Starving. That had a really cool yeah. bass line. They just really do build up. long songs really, really well, which yeah. shows up more in the later albums. Definitely. So, but th- this this was just fantastic. It's just a, just a fantastic time listening to this. Um, I think I should listen to this in the car driving up, and I was like, whoa. I listen to all of Ben's albums in the car driving up, too. Were you great. speeding? <laughs> I, yeah, I yes. probably was. I was most certainly speeding. Dude, you can so. go 90 and, uh, coming I know. up from I, Lansing. I have really, really... There are no cops. <laughs> a really bad time not driving we do not endorse speeding on any of my music. Way. So much of my music, like, looking at this, like... That Grape Tooth record, this Parquet Quartz record, the stuff I'm going to talk about later, like, I will start going way faster than I mean to. <laughs> yeah. It's not purposeful. It just happens. I thought I'd be able to just get through the whole playlist pretty much, but no, I only got through, like, two albums. Because that was you were <laughs> Yeah. And that's Parquet Quartz fault, dude. There we it go. Was, it was fantastic. And music's so good, it'll make you speed faster. Yeah. I would, yeah, I definitely like the one song ness of this album is really what makes it, like, stick out to me, even in their discography like like you go right from the end of master of my craft master of my craft someone hits a snare drum borrowed time starts like for for the first half of this record especially it's just go 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 it's like a ramones concert one two three boom 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 like just song after song they're all great they're all different it takes a few listens to really like suss out what you really like i think Mm. um but i think it's a fantastic punk record in a decade which at the start it seemed like punk was kind of confused as to where it was going or just gone almost entirely. Sure. So. Definitely. Alright. Yeah. Let's okay. bring around to number two, yeah. My, my number two pick. Alright, so I'm not gonna lie, I feel me and my personal bias leaked into this one a little too much putting it at number two, but I, I still think that an argument can be made that this is definitely one of the Decades best. Mm-hmm. Um, it's it's a pretty. It's my most basic choice. It's my most mainstream choice that I think out of any of any of the things we chose on here, uh, we're talking about Foo Fighters "Wasting Light" from twenty eleven. Um, here's here's the thing with this record. It's it, it's not groundbreaking. This isn't uh, this this isn't reinventing the wheel much of anything. Um, it's just a really fucking good album that really brings a lot of cool ideas together. I know Ben 
earlier talked about recording on tape, and they were probably one of the first and first and at least definitely one of the first high high profile cases to do that this decade. I mean, that they, they did that with this record. They recorded this in Dave's garage, and of course, all those viral videos of his daughter coming up and like, "We want to go swimming," but I'm recording a rock album right now. Huh? Yeah, yeah. So, uh, it's there is something. Uh, on. I love how the note was like strategically yeah, advised, but we all stopped yeah, talking. Yeah. I put so, the note down because uh, I need to go to the bathroom, yes, and then sorry. everyone's sorry for talking. the interruption. I, I will That's make this quick for Ben's sake. Cut um, this part. Three, it, two, one. What am I doing? It's staying in now. Okay. Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know what just happened. Point is, though. It, again, it's it, this is not a groundbreaking record. It's just a collection of amazing songs, just packaged together into something that feels magical it really does um there it's not a concept record by any stretch of the means there isn't like a solid narrative but if it feels like you can devise one very easily it starts off with a song literally called bridge burning it's you know just destroying everything it's about going through life you know traversing it i mean david was probably about 40 something when he made this so Mm -hmm. definitely starting hit the the middle age territory so definitely there's a lot of reflection in past life you can hear on songs like Alondria these days and you know a matter of time it gets almost spiteful at moments on this record and then one of the best album closures of all time I will argue this to the day I die I Walk it. is one of the best album co- yeah. closures of all time it I is fantastic it. it is just there is something and is one of the most anthemic songs I've heard in my entire life hearing this live oh man it is that is a different experience um it it just it just comes together and such as it, it why I think I think this album is really good, it does it's kinda like the Nick Drake principle almost in a yeah. way. I, I've always said the reason why I love Nick Drake, especially on Pink Moon, why I love Nick Drake so much. He does so much with so little. And while obviously yes, this is still a huge rock band with a pretty big budget, mm-hmm. they were able to devise such a well meaning record, a well just something just so organic sounding, just something so meaningful and such such a simple such simple ideas. So it's similar to the Nick Drake principle in that way. And I th- and I, I think that somehow, I think it's kind of gotten lost. I think a lot of people think we need to go this big. We need to just do, the, you know, we, we need to do something different. And it, obviously, music diversity, of course, is fantastic. But I think they're able to still sound fresh on this album. They're still able to bring, Foo Fighters are able to bring themselves back to relevancy after, well, they were still pretty relevant before then. But, like, certainly to, I think they really reintroduced themselves to a new generation. And they were able to do so with just such a wonderfully simple yet just organic, brilliant sounding album. So, um, all rambling aside, I think this is easily the strongest thing they made this decade. I don't think there's a conversation there. Mm, I think there is. We, we, we will touch on that in a second, Michael. But, um, yeah, I don't even know what I want to play. For. You know what? Play White Limo from the start. That, right. that, that song's a jam. I just, one of my favorites this decade. Again, it's just, just one of those badass riffs this entire decade. 
Dave's vocals are just insane. Honestly, I think he definitely Dave does a really good job with diversifying. I mean, he he's a fairly dynamic singer. I mean, he's not he doesn't have a great range, but he definitely he definitely goes soft on a lot of on a lot of this album. He definitely goes to like full screaming heights like you just heard well, there. He's so. of the age like he's gonna start going soft. He can't be hard yeah. all the time, you so. know. Like <laughs> he, he's gonna start having issues with that. <laughs> well. Yeah. Let me uh, let me let me let me tell you something, Andrew. Okay. Um, why wasting light over a few different picks you could have done from the Foo Fighters discography that came out in okay. 2010? So first of all, well, obviously, a few years later you had Sonic Highways, and okay. honestly, Sonic Highways had all the potential in the world to have been in this place in, in front of Wasting Light. Mm-hmm. Here's the here's the thing with that. I remember like it, maybe this is a little too personal, but when I was. That record was hyped to shit that year. I don't know if you remember that. That record was it hyped. Definitely it was. was when you have a documentary to go. Yeah, a documentary, but but more than that, it was like supposed to be a concert record. We're gonna go to all these different places in America, all these major music cities, and we're gonna try to you know, incorporate the sounds of them into our music. And I was like, oh my god, we're gonna go like one of the most cool experimental sounding records ever. Mm-hmm. And I got there, it's like, oh, it's like a Foo Fighters record, but it's a lot. There's a lot. There's a lot of bad songs in here too, and also. Like the experimentation, like for example, the New Orleans, the one I remember, I think it was in the clear. I think that was the one from New Orleans. Like mm-hmm. their idea of incorporating jazz was to have like ten seconds of horns at the end of it that completely blends in with the guitars in the mix. I yeah. was like, I was that was a severely disappointing album. And again, there are some there are like the one they did in Austin. Remember that one was particularly bad. I think the Seattle one was really dull as well. It was just there were a lot of great songs. I loved the lead single, something from nothing. Off that, um, I, th- I think outside is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Um, Congregation's also pretty good too. There were there were definitely a lot of good songs in that. I just feel as a whole, it just kind of suffered a from just failing to deliver on that concept and b um, and just just having too many clunkers. And then when you get into uh, Concrete and Goal, I just well, hold on, hold on. Let me give my point okay, first. Go right Because uh, Sonic Highways, yes, I, I definitely am getting where you're coming from with that. I personally do enjoy Sonic Highways, and it is still, to this day, one of my favorite Foo Fighters records. However, if I was to pick a Foo Fighters album to encapsulate the decade, I would go with Concrete and Gold because of the, pr- the production changes um, and how they kind of did shoot to be this now grandiose band. They dropped all the po- the punk and the and the grunge stuff, and they're they're chasing after some modern, kind of more pop production and songwriting. But I think it g- serves as a great allegory for how an old band can actually adapt pretty well to new sound. I mean, it was. I mean, wasting light. Not the most ambitious, I will agree. Mm-hmm. I think I said that at the start. I, I feel like production-wise, they, they adapted fairly well to it. And it, it, it definitely sounds like something that could come from this decade, very much so. And the issue I have with Cockney and Gold, and well, yes, certainly they tried to make the sales grandiose. It actually worked against them because they, the execution was pretty poor. In fact, actually, when you talk about it representing the decade, it represents some of the worst parts of rock music in the decade. It was just too grandiose, trying to be too big for itself. That's why I don't like like it. It was overbloated. Like like was Sky in the Neighborhood, that was a pretty bad single. Let's that, be real. That is the one I didn't that, that was like. a pretty bad single. But they like did some the interesting line, things on that. Arrows. Both great tracks. Sure. Sure. Say what you will. I mean yeah, maybe maybe they did have a little uh, Imagine Dragons in there for a couple of times, you know? But <sighs> but when it, when I'm pairing that up to to 
Wasting Light. Wasting I, Light was just so well executed. And I think that's the best thing. They just they took their they they they, they simple ideas, but they executed it in a really just fantastic way. Mm-hmm. I, I think it just again just a lot of earnestism with the lyrics and just a lot of great reflection. I I, th- I think it definitely has a place in this decade. It's very strong, notable place in this decade. I don't think they'd be as relevant to this to this day if it wasn't for Wasting Light. What do you think? Have you guys ever heard My Hero? That's a good song. I don't know. I don't know that much about Foo Fighters. Michael and I were talking about it earlier. I think for me, it's kind of, if you just look at, not subgenres, but if you're just looking at what is termed rock, just basic rock, mm-hmm. I'm kind of out after the mid-90s. Like, not necessarily I dislike anything, but I just, eh, like, it stopped doing things for me after grunge kind of petered out. Mm. Um, and... I like some of this stuff. I don't like some of this stuff. It just doesn't it it doesn't feel amazing to me. It feels fine. I think it's fine. I can see why you like it. I can see why you like the Foo Fighters stuff you like. Yeah. That's my review. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to say about this, Michael? Not really. Let's take a quick break. Okay. Piss break. Oh, I'm so Piss sorry break. going on for so long. A bad idea. We are unpaused. So let's just go into my number two now, because I have a pick that uh, you were pleasantly surprised with, Andrew, as well, um, going off of the Fleet Foxes one. Um, I've talked about the band Car Seat Headrest before, um, but I have not really gone in depth with this album. A lot of people may have expected I would choose um, an album called Twin Fantasy, um, but I went ahead and chose Teens of Denial. Um, this is the first album they put out um, uh, when Will T- Toledo has a backing band now. Um, and the songs off this record perfectly captured the mood of this decade. Will Toledo's vocals, say what you will about them, but they're very, uh, it's honest. You know, it's, it's honest emotion. Absolutely. And, and, and you pair that with instrumentation that is absolutely wild. And chaotic, and you know, I've talked. I've talked about the story of Carsey and Headrest before. Literally, the the premier example of Bandcamp fame. You know, he he put he records four albums worth of tunes, um, very lo-fi in the back seat of his car, and uploads it to Bandcamp. It cre- it gets some cult following, and then he rises to the occasion and actually gets signed by a label and pre- and re-records all of this stuff with a full band and full scale production. And some of the best tracks that come from that appear on this record. Um, I want to go ahead and play a clip of Joe gets kicked out of school for doing drugs. Um, that's cool. Yeah. It's close enough. Yeah. That, that's one of the most ridiculous Where do you want me to start? Go ahead and start from uh, like 10 seconds in. Hangovers feel good when I know it's the last one And I feel so good that I have another one Last Friday I took acid and mushrooms I did not transcend I felt like a walking piece of shit And a stupid looking jacket I was going to make some joke about how Andrew has a twin fantasy about Courtney Barnett, but I couldn't, Whoa. like, it doesn't make sense. Mm. I couldn't put the pieces together. 
that's 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 some incestuous implication. This conversation is not what I needed. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that just goes to show you some of uh, Will Toledo's vocal delivery. Very unconventional, to say the least. But uh, great lyrics that appear all throughout this album. Andrew, go ahead and give me your two cents because you were pleasantly surprised. Um, no, you. I'm pleasantly surprised maybe putting it a little too strongly mm-hmm. um, in the sense that you because you have shown me this stuff before and I've liked it I've just like okay so whatever this is some indie stuff whatever listening to this album in full I actually do get the hype behind this band now I I thought it was really cool I like loved the lyrics um, I picked a lot of good lyrical albums I found Michael so I appreciate that thank you um, yeah I, I, I found myself like being really interested in, in his way of songwriting I will say Vincent is like one of like the greatest things I've ever heard that's cool. The song Vincent is awesome. Although I did thought I thought it was gonna be like a Don McLean cover at first. I was like, oh. "That's that's an interesting thing." Oh no, this is something completely different. Whoa, okay, what? Did, did he just, there's so many different musical ideas, and they all just danced around with each other really good. Mm-hmm. But my only complaint was I was just like, I wanted that for the rest of the album when I heard mm-hmm. it. it was like track two. It was like, oh. but then everything was kind of a little too mid tempo for me. But it, which, which again is kind of more of a personal thing, but. Um, there was also he a lot of great builds with that, so it made up for it in that way. So, no, really enjoyed it. Probably could have been a little shorter. Not gonna lie, don't know if it needed to be an hour and ten minutes. But again, he used his time pretty well, so it, it, it's not again. It's more of a nitpick. So, again, easy to see why this could be on someone's uh, top top of the decade list. Really, really good. Anyone do some pieces? Yeah, uh, I have liked Car Seat Headrest for a while, but I haven't delved into full albums it's one of those bands where i like some songs but it takes me forever to get there mm. um and yeah it's a great record some really great uh acoustic guitar sounds yes like those really i, I, ne- I never know how to describe the, the kind of acoustic guitar sound i like but it's like you've got the fresh strings on it and it's a very mm. like it's not super jagged it's just weird it just works really well yeah uh, something like drunk drivers killer whales when you think about that <laughs> like that song, it's it feels like just pieces of songs that he put together, yeah. and they all work so well, and it's so moving, and I don't know what it's about, yet it <laughs> moves me very, very strongly. Definitely. So, like, it's just a great album. I like the lyrical content. I like his voice a lot. I, I really am a big fan of a whiny voice, and this is a one of the best whiny voices we've gotten in this decade. So, yeah, I mean, it's a great record. Sweet. Let's, let's just keep the train right. going over to Ben. My number two. This is a record that I discovered uh, within the past two or three months, mm-hmm. and it it got onto this list. It's probably on my top five albums of all time list. Wow. Uh, this is Ezra Furman's 12 Nudes, um, which came out this year. He considers it his punk album, and I'm going to use the he pronouns, although Ezra is beginning his transition I, well I, I've quick side note I, I, I did look this up real quick because I just want to make sure I got it right I think somewhere I read he, he, in an interview said I, I'm male but he's just I'm male that's what I identify as but I think it's just a little more androgynous I don't know if it's, it's full transgender well I think it's it's becoming so that's what he was saying for a while at first he was bisexual then he went more to the androgyny and now as of late as far as I know he is planning on transitioning. Okay. If you look at his Twitter bio, he lists both the he, him pronouns and the she, her. Okay. 
So I think he's planning on it. It just hasn't happened yet. We'll see what happens. But this record uh, covers those themes a lot. For that reason, I'm going to play one of the mid-track, uh, the mid-album ballads, I Want to Be Your Girlfriend. One of my faves. My dying friends are finding religion. Well, my intellectual friends are all denying God. But me, I got just one ambition. I sit around all day wishing that the real me might be the one you want. Yeah, so that's I Want to Be Your Girlfriend. That really covers, like, the gender dysphoria, which this album reaches into mm. a fair amount. Uh, we have another album that does that. Well, you used the word dysphoria, and that gives a bit of a hint what my number one's going to be, but we'll, we'll wait for that. I do want to talk about this, because this is probably my favorite pick that you chose. Okay. I thought this was absolutely fantastic. I, ha- I had heard the... So- <laughs> I just hit the mic by accident. I, I did hear the song Rated Our Crusaders um, before this, and I was like, oh, I've heard this one. I'm going to listen to the rest of the album and see how this is. And this is a really, really good album. Like, this is, no offense to you, Ben, but if we were like, to make an objective top five list, I don't know if any of yours would make it. Although, except for maybe this one. This one's the only one I could see that would be like, uh-huh. wow, this could really be considered my best of the decade. It was that strong. Again, a lot of really honest, earnest lyricism. Really, just um, his vocal. His vocal. He has a Ezra is a great front man. Um, he just has a lot of really crazy oddball charisma that is just with a lot of aggression when he wants to bring it, and he can bring it softer onto some more ballady stuff as well. Um, just great riffing. It's just everything's just kind of badass at the same time, just kind of fearful almost. So I think it definitely encapsulates a lot of different kind of emotions on this. So this was fantastic. It's only like 27 minutes long. It's really up my alley. So Speaking on that time limit, I could not believe how short this album was for how, how much it grasped me right from, the, right from the beginning track, Calm Down, a.k.a. I Should Not Be Alone. Mm-hmm. It, it instantly grabbed me, and it kept a hold of me through the entire album just of how interesting it was with the the vocals paired with this this instrumentation um kind of lo-fi at times too which Very. i enjoyed you know and 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 just I, i've never heard such a prolific front man and it's definitely something i'm going to go into um after this episode uh this was my number one from from years ben um yeah kind of tied with your number one too but and like uh, to say to that point um we're going to talk about my number one artist he's been my favorite for the past year at least, mm-hmm. if not probably two years, honestly. He's great, but I disco- like I discovered Ezra Furman a while ago. I'm getting into Ezra Furman now. Ezra Furman over the period of like a month has risen to being tied for my favorite artist. So really my one and two are basically tied, even though I've known this record for a month. I just ha- I can't stop listening to it. And you heard one of the slowest songs and one of the least punk rock songs on it, but like there's some crazy shit on this. The lyrical content, I love it all. Mm-hmm. I love the way that you can kind of just hear Ezra's inner monologue and fighting with himself about who he is and trying to figure out who he is. And then there are some songs that are just fun. I really like, like, I don't know, most stuff's under three minutes. It just, it 
punched me in the face when I first heard it, especially compared to the rest of his discography, which is really good, but really different. Definitely. Drum roll, please. Andrew's number one pick. So, initially, like I said earlier, I was going to include Wasting Light by, by the Food Fighters, but as I really thought, as I really thought about it, it's like, I could not justify not putting this out at number one. This actually came out the same year as Sonic Highways. This came out. This album came out the same year as an ACDC record, and everyone knows how much I love ACDC. Um, Black Keys had a record out that year, and this was one of the standout records of that year. Like it, when all those artists kind of failed and flopped, and everyone was kind of disappointed, but generally disappointed by those records. Mm -hmm. This album that came out at the start of 2014 was still being talked about by the end. It's just an absolute highlight of it, and I 100% agree. Um, it really, if we're talking about something that encapsulates the decade, it, it encapsulates like, a, especially with the music that we're talking about, we're talking about, you know, kind of the modernizations of punk rock, this definitely fits the bill. If we're talking about fitting in with more social themes, definitely fits the bill. And I think it's just Hell yeah. a really, really amazing record. We're talking about Transgender Dysphoria Blues by Against Me. Uh, I've, this was, as everyone knows, Against Me is, well, no, not everyone. If you don't know, Against Me... Uh, it's a folk punk band, not so much folk punk anymore, but they definitely started out as a folk punk band mm -hmm. all the way back in the late 90s, early 2000s, around that area. Uh, their first record, Reinventing Axl Rose, uh, was released in 2001, and some people will probably still consider that to... I think people generally regard that as their best still. And I can absolutely understand why someone would pick that as their best record. But... This record in particular, I think, stands out for many different reasons. So, for no, this for no one, some people may have, may have not have heard, uh, before at the start of their career, front frontman Tom Gable. I think that's his name, right? Tom Gable. Sounds right. Um, it's hard for me because I actually never really knew Tom Gable. Um, came out as transgender, and he transitioned to becoming Lauren Jane Grace, who who she's been since. Uh, I think the late, late 2013, because this album came out in early 2014. As you could probably guess by the title of the record, it's about not only your transition, but also talks a lot about the struggles of being transgender, a lot of the frustrations, a lot of the, the, the pains that come with that, and among other things, but that's primarily the general focus of this album. It, it is one of the most brutally honest records you will ever mm -hmm. hear. The title yeah. track, oh my sweet Jesus, the title track is... A, the best punk song of this decade, I hands down, without question, is wow. the best punk song of this decade. Just one of the best drummer, drum beats I've ever heard. Um, just, just super catchy about just a really, really sad topic about like, she thinks like, the shoulder's too broad for a girl, like trying to compare herself, like I will never be as good as what society deems as you know perfect, as a perfect woman, I guess, should look like. Um, True Trench Soul Rebel kind of continues that. Um, drinking with the jocks is about trying to fit in, Love be that. someone that you're not. It's a phenomenal song. My favorite. Um, Two Coffins is one of the most heartbreakingly beautiful ballads you'll ever hear in your entire life. And Black Meow, the album closer, is just one of the it's just oh, it's one of the best fuck you songs you'll ever hear in your entire life. It is just a, three minutes of just like just revenge fantasies and just fucking like saying everyone just telling the world and everyone needed to go fuck yourselves and it's just a wonderful album closer for this record um while i'm I, I should note a good social message a good message in general never automatically makes something good or something as amazing it it just but it can de if delivered correctly 
and done well, and if the music backs it up too, it can definitely make something more powerful and more stand out. And that's why I think it does. It's not really arguing for a lot of like social change, really, about the terms of LGBTQ rights, but it encapsulates all the frustrations, especially that people in the transgender spectrum might have. So, and I can easily, like, when, I, when I was, when I saw him live in 2017, I saw, there were two different versions of the crowd. There were the people who you definitely knew got into them in 2001, around, around the time when they first started, and then the people uh, who've recently gotten into them due to this record. It, 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 it's definitely given a gen, uh, this new generation a voice for people who may feel like outcasts, and it's just, it's just, uh, just a fantastic record, and it's just really good. The hooks are fantastic. The playing on here is really good. A lot of people, I know Fantano's talked about, he wasn't a huge on this record. He talked about well, the, a lot of the bite that we heard from their earlier stuff is still gone on this. It, true, but it's still much, it still hits much harder than the album they released previously, uh, like Crosses, Black Crosses. Just, it, they improve themselves in any way musically. It, it's just, Blora pulls no punches. I, I, I think it's easily the standout record of the, for me, the standout record of this decade. I'm sorry for talking for too long, but I just, this is just a record that stuck with me since I first heard him. This is how I first learned about Against Me, and I think I could not have asked for a better introduction. Since the moment I met you, you've recommended me Against Me at least once a month. And, <laughs> and, and like, I don't, you know, I don't know why I haven't gone to it for so long. I guess just the name of the band Against Me sounds like, I, I, I automatically think of, like, Rise Against or something, like a, a metal act that just, like, immediately just turns me off. But I didn't realize the, the folk punk roots and, like, the kind of the, uh, the this neo-punk aesthetic that they've taken. And, you know, that, that's just a perfect example of don't judge a book by its cover because going through this album, I get it. I get why, against me, you love them so much, Andrew. And I'm glad I finally got around to listening to this album that you've recommended me time and time again. And uh, I, that's all I got to say is just, uh, you know, I was absolutely encapsulated by it all throughout. Um, definitely uh, Two Coffins stood out to me as one of the most beautiful ballads I've heard in a very long time. Um, and as you said, the title track is just absolutely explosive. Um, yeah, I, it's something I'm going to be revisiting, something I'm going to, a band that I'm definitely going to be checking out a little bit more. Def, definitely check out Reimagine Gospel. I want to go like watch some like live performances of this album because I bet it's fucking kick-ass. It was... Being in the being, I can tell you what. Being in the middle of the mosh pit during trans, the title track, this was just amazing. Yeah. I was just remember, I remember just literally standing in the center of it and just chaos going around me, and I'm just screaming the words of this. It was it was amazing. Nice. Um, any thoughts from you? This record really reflects why I'm so happy to be living when I am, because in the past, especially before this decade, even I mean, we're talking harping a lot on this decade, this this decade, that like before this decade, hearing the voice of someone, of a trans person anywhere, especially in music, was impossible. It wasn't happening. There weren't really transgender people in music, mm -hmm. especially in a big way. Mm -hmm. And now we're on this our lists alone. We have two trans people, and hearing that perspective and the fucking awful nightmare that all these people have to go through just to be themselves it's heartbreaking and it's infuriating and it works perfect for a punk rock record this Absolutely. album's great it, 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 it's just 
I won't say too much. So I think I've already said everything I wanted to say about it. Just, it's just if you somehow miss this, this is the one album I will say. Like all the other ones, except maybe the Warbringer one. I, I could, I, I would suggest that yeah, this, they, they, they could have to be contenders for album of the year. Mm-hmm. This one more than any of the others. I will, I will run the fucking flag for. Like this could easily be the album of the year. Okay, I didn't hear everything. Decade. Huh? You say year, decade. Decade. I mean, sorry. It's all good. Decade. Again, I didn't hear everything. I miss kind of missed out the war on drugs. Like I said, I didn't miss a lot of Mac DeMarco and Flea Foxes. But it, I just don't see it. just what else could encapsulate this decade. The idea of social change or just social acceptance more to the LGBTQ more than having something like this on there. And the fact that the music's also really, really fucking good. So that's all I'm going to say on it. I'd just like to play out some of the, the title track here since we mentioned it so much and then I'll let you guys finish it. Sorry for going on for so long. strongly recommend but let me go into something that i was very reluctant to put on this list but i can't get enough of it i recommended it right at the beginning of the semester just coming back from the summer it released this year and i know you're automatically going to say how can you assume this is an album of the decade when it just came out this year and the reason why is because I have listened to at least one of the songs off of this album um, probably every single day since it came out. It has always seemed to come up. Um, of course, I'm talking about Black Midi's debut album, the Oxford, um, England band, noise band, um, their debut album of Schlagenheim. Is that um, how you say it? Yeah. Schlagenheim. Schlagenheim. Oh, speaking of saying it. things, I'm pretty sure it's Black Midi. Midi, yeah. But I'm not positive. Yeah. Well, hey. You know, and you look at that, you look at the name of the band and you're actually thinking they're going to imitate, you know, Japanese black media music. But no, this is, this is a noise collective that takes, few, you know, tongue-in-cheek songwriting and, you know, composing noise in such a way that it's, this is the album that, transitioned me into bands like Swans or Daughters or all those names that you hear about that is just like, whoa, that is really threatening. How could I even touch that? You know? And then you listen to this album um, with songs like Speedway that are very like, um, you know, it's it's melodic. It's kind of slow, but it's like you get this weird like backwards production on it. And I'm, I'm going to be kind of rambling here, but like the title, the, the beginning track, 953, like you chaotic, you know, guitar blasting your, you in the face. And then it, you know, it transitioned and, you know, and then you get these, uh, you know, noise fillings in the middle and it just, it's gut wrenching and it kind of like pierces your soul. Um, you, you also get themes of like environmentalism on here with songs like Speedway. And then you get near Detroit, Michigan, uh, with some commentary on environmental racism when it comes to the Flint water crisis. You hear um, 
the bassist of Black Mini uh, singing back up on a lot of on a couple of these songs, you know, screaming, "There's lead in the water! There's lead in the water!" So and then it begins to so sound good. like, "There's blood in the water! There's blood in the water!" Like you know, you you, it's just like it's so powerful. And then you get a song like. Um, Ba-bum, ba-bum, ba-bum. That's what I call it because it's supposed to be like a heartbeat, you know? And, you know, that is like, you look at that and it's like, it's just saying she moves with a purpose, like over and over and over again. But then, like, you start to, like, you start to get the picture that they're trying to paint here of, like, uh, you know, a woman moving throughout her life, defying every single social expectation that's thrown her way. You know, nothing's going to stop her. And then you get the closing track, Ductor my favorite song probably of this entire decade um that yeah that uh kind of just like you know you get these short little like beeps behind everything and then you get the guitars swishing out after you know it it closes and then it builds up perfectly and an explosive ending um i cannot recommend this album enough if it's not clear enough um but the reason why i chose it um is because I, it's a little bit of a bold pick, and while this album has enough time, hasn't had enough time to marinate in the culture yet. M- myself, a lot of um, y- online users who I've interacted with, a lot of my friends have gone back to this album and they can't get enough of it. And already, I think I'm going to predict some longevity, and I'm super, mm-hmm. super excited to see what they're going to do in the future. Uh, I almost saw them live back in November just barely missed it because i couldn't go home that weekend and but like this band is just starting to gain some traction especially overseas in europe they're playing a lot of pitchfork festivals in france and different places like that um before they absolutely explode into some of the biggest noise rock acts of all time you got to check them out and give this uh debut a listen i'm sorry i rambled for so long but what's your thoughts andrew i rambled a lot too so more than okay. And here's the thing. This this record is absolutely fantastic. I completely agree with you. Mm-hmm. Listen to this. I was like, this is why my kid was going crazy about it. Like Western, holy crap! Yeah. Western's amazing. Near Detroit, Michigan. That's the one you introduced me to these guys with. And it's since like some demented Oingo Boingo shit, <laughs> like with, with like, a lot of like blood metal influences. That's awesome. With near, De- I already said the song. That's that's awesome. It's just. Every, I think every song works in its own bizarre way, and it's just fantastic. Again, having this as your number one pick, again, I know you threw this hastily, Michael, and yeah. I, so I don't, I don't blame you. It's a little, a bit of a stretch, yeah. especially since it is so new. But honestly, I think a lot of people, if, if it had more time to marinate with, with an audience, if it mm-hmm. wasn't really so late this decade, I think it would have more time to marinate with people. So I think that would be more of an acceptable kind of pick, even at number one. I, again, I don't know if I would see album of the decade here, but definitely a strong contender. Again, if I had been around, easily it should be in the top ten because it is some of the most unique sounding music I've heard in quite a quite a while. So, I I I was surprised you put Boring House Reach on there. I was really surprised it didn't make yeah. that list. Um, but this did. But I I, I kind of get it though. I do kind of get that. Cool, Ben. Yeah, I definitely. I find it an interesting record because it takes uh, kind of the noise elements in the the atonality of a band, uh, sort of a like post-punk band like Gang of Four or something like that, mm-hmm. and it uses them as more central elements in a song. And I've been hearing a lot about Black Midi recently, um, just seeing them around. On, they're kind of doing the circuit right now of doing mm-hmm. the online shows, and I'm seeing festival videos pop up and yep. stuff like that, and I hadn't really explored it. 
I'm happy I did. I I do think that there's a lot of interesting stuff here, and it it reminded me of a band called Mourn hmm. that put out a few records in this decade. Um, I think they're from Portugal or something like that, but they have that sort of atonality, and they mix it with some good harmonic stuff. Um, but yeah, I thought it was a solid record, and. Yeah, just want to look to see where it goes within the next few decades or in the next few years. Is that them? I don't know. Yeah, that's them. Cool. Yeah, definitely an out there pick and definitely uh, needs to take some time to marinate a little bit. But I I wanted to throw that in as my number one is maybe to get some of our listeners to look to the future Mm -hmm. um, when it comes to a lot of uh, experimental music, specifically in the noise, math rock, a lot of post rock stuff. I hope is going to come to the mainstream in this decade. Right. And you're already seeing a lot, yeah, right. especially with math rock. You're seeing a lot of those Instagram guitar players. At the very least in the rock scene, I can see that. Hey, I mean, it's the 2020s now, so this is the future. Anything could happen. Well, we're supposed to have flying cars going back to the future five years ago, so who knows what the future is anymore. Yeah, sure. so we'll just have the a total music. The future is math music. rock is what it is. Whoa. Yeah. Anyway. Which one do you want to hear? Um, go ahead and play near Detroit, Michigan, just straight from the start. that uh, I guess I'll go to my number one yeah, best for last yeah and I've just hmm, I've been think, <laughs> I've been thinking about this one a lot and like I don't know we'll talk about it so my number one is power chords by Mike Kroll uh, this was his uh, most recent record this was from this year it's also his longest at 33 minutes um, I like short songs as Jello once said, it's interesting to compare. Uh, yes, yes, yeah. thank you for saying It's interesting that. to compare Ben's playlist to my playlist. My playlist is four hours long. Ben's is two hours forty minutes. <laughs> How long is mine? Yours was like three and a half. Yeah, I'm like the, in the middle, middle time yeah. in all this. Mm-hmm. It's great. Uh, I don't know. It's just a really solid. I don't really know what to call it. Like, kind of power pop. I'd say it definitely leans more towards the punk, but really hooky, really catchy. Uh, I love these songs. I don't really know what to play, honestly. You're, you're not you're not giving it enough justice because the first time I came into your um, your dorm room, Ben, when we recorded <laughs> the music for uh, soundtrack, the immediately the first thing I saw was this big beautiful picture of Mike Kroll, yeah. and then another one in your closet, and then oh, there's another one over there, you know, and like I you know I can tell this is a big project for you, and I personally loved it listening to it as well. So I'm sorry it's, I delayed the music, but it's hard to. Uh, we'll talk about it. I, I think. I think I'm gonna play. The second song off of here. This is one of the first singles. It's called "What's the Rhythm."
Yeah, so that was a really uh, early single from this record. Mike Kroll is definitely one of my favorite artists, and I was really rethinking this pick because this is definitely his longest album, and it's his probably most professional album, but the big thing that got me into Mike Kroll was uh, his first record, I Hate Jazz, and that record has a sound that is him. It's just him. I've never heard another record that sounds like this. This one, Power Chords, the songwriting is still there. The construction is still there. I really love the sound of this record. I do love this record. I just don't know if it's as unique as something like I Hate Jazz or even a second record. I only, uh, I neglected those because I think I Hate Jazz, we consider it an album, but it's 17 minutes long. Mm -hmm. So it's basically an EP. Um, I don't know. I think the songs are strong on here. I think it's really catchy. I do love this record. Don't get me wrong. I'm wearing a Mike Kroll shirt right now. I have this album. Yeah, this album. I have, I think, I've seen him live twice. I have four other t-shirts at home. I I love Mike Kroll. It's it's a disease, sort of. But Ezra Furman's right up there now, so who even knows? What do you think, Andrew? Yeah, I feel kind of bad now. (laughs) So That's fine. This is honestly my least favorite of all the ones you put in there. I I don't know why. It, I might just be missing something that you two picked up from this. I still liked it a lot. Don't get me wrong. This stuff's still up my alley. It's just I don't know. It just felt a little. It felt a little too plain to me compared to all the all the other ones you put in there. Which mm-hmm. it, it, I I don't know why. Again, um, no no disrespect to Mr. Mike Kroll. I, I think this was a really good album, but yeah, I mean, it just didn't excite me as much as the other stuff. Like the Parquet Courts was like whoa, as a Thurman, whoa. This one was like, all right, it was, it was, because I listened to this one first before everything else, like, all right, this is pretty good. Maybe this will, probably, in, I think, kind of led into everything else you put in there, but, I don't, I don't really have much to say on it, really. I just, just you're right, I mean, there are some good hooks to it. It's some nice indie punk, I would say, but really all I have to say, I don't really have much more, I'm sorry. Yeah, no, it was a big deal to me coming out, and a big deal to have such a long album from him, relatively long, but, like, I really am rethinking it now. Just in looking at everything else on my list and having Ezra Furman second just feels wrong. Well, let me let me back you up a little bit, man, okay? Because I, I, you know, I'm I'm gonna support you, and and saying like I, you know, a, a big part of this decade too was the uh, underground garage scene right. that came out of things like Bass Drum of Death, No Bunny, or you know, um, mm-hmm. you know, th- acts like that. And I think Mike Kroll sets himself apart uh, lyrically. And just vocal delivery, um, you know, setting himself apart from those other garage acts. And while this might not be the album that people are going to look back to in his discography, there's so much potential. And I listened to it, and all I got was endless amounts of potential for him to become, a, you know, the standout of that scene. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know who I would consider that to be right now. Maybe the OCs, you know who they are? Yeah. I'd, maybe them, but like, I can definitely see this being remembered as some of his greatest early pioneer work, and I'm looking forward. I'm going to pay attention in the future as more stuff comes out. Yeah, and I'd say definitely look back to his earlier stuff from this, and the the lyric writing is very important to me because we come from a really similar background. He's like a Midwestern guy, and and you get a lot of that perspective. He has a few songs on here that uh, feature Alison Crutchfield of Swearin', because he's getting married to her now. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a really solid record. I don't want to sound like I hate it or anything, because I really don't. I love it. But, like, this would definitely have been one of my picks at the beginning of the year. Just now, I've found a lot of new stuff, and it's kind of faded away for me a little bit. I think I was picking it 
a lot more based on sentimentality than how I feel about it now. Okay. Makes sense. With that being said, that was our top five list, but let's have some rapid fire acts. Yes, I was yes. going for was our honorable say, mentions. So I'm gonna I'm gonna list off a bunch of records. Uh, God, I do not have this prepared. Oh, you want God. me to go first? Uh, go right, yeah, go right. Ahead. Okay, um, I'm gonna just shout out a lot of uh, projects that may have passed under your radar. Um, starting with the the new JPEG Mafia album, um, All My Heroes Are Cornballs. Fantastic experimental rap there. You got the new Radiohead album, uh, A Moonshaped Pool, being just a classic example, a great return to form after The King of Limbs and all those projects. I, I Radiohead, specifically Tom York, is in his prime when it comes to songwriting right now. Also, check out a couple of the movie soundtracks he's come out with recently. Um, someone just showed me his song that just uh, that's the theme for like Blue Planet 2, the BBC documentary. Beautiful song. Um, also, check out some new contemporary jazz that came out from Bad Bad Not Good. Recommended them on the show before. Some great math rock from Totoro came out this decade. Um, check them out. Um, and my boy Jay Mascus has been putting out some great acoustic records throughout the decade as he's starting to um, formulate himself as a great solo acoustic yeah. artist. With His uh, last record was really good. Yeah, yeah, Elastic Days, Tied to a Star. Definitely check those out. And as always, check out Dog Leg, the next, the biggest band coming out of Michigan right now. The biggest cliche of sound check right now. Oh, yeah. Besides <laughs> Andrew right. wearing his vest. Which I don't have on right now. I actually have a plain white t-shirt and jean. Luckily, I'm greaser right now. It's really <laughs> embarrassing, actually. Um, so, uh, how am I going to list these off? Uh, I guess I'll start with metal. Like I said, I think a lot there's a lot of great thrash records um, this decade, uh, specifically with um, Death Angels, The Dream Calls for Blood, and we also have um, Creators, Gods of Violence. Those two records were fucking fantastic. E- easily the best... Possibly the best, it, definitely for Dust Angel. I'm not quite sure about Creator, but probably the best two records each of those bands ever made. It was fantastic. Not technically thrash, but the last Judas Priest record was just a surprisingly fantastic record. If anyone who knows me knows Priest oh. is one of my absolute favorite bands. And I thought Firepower is the best album they've made since goddamn Painkiller. I said it. It is just fantastic. It kicks ass. Um, there's also an, I think they're from... Like Scotland, maybe UK. I think some are from Europe. The band's called Latitudes. They're they're probably the most interesting sounding metal band I could think of to possibly put on this list. They just don't have enough of a following for me to put it in my top five. But they're doing a lot of really interesting things with black metal. But they don't. But their vocals are definitely not black metal. They have a really calm, soothing kind of sound. Voice voices over like really bleak tremolo picking for black metal. In that. So they're really good. Definitely go check them out. As far as punk goes, uh, I got it. I think you mentioned Jello Biafra earlier. I got to give a shout out to the record he released with the uh, his Guantanamo School of Medicine, which is probably the best band name of all time. Uh, <laughs> White People for Peace, which is one of the best album names of all time, because come on now, that's amazing. Um, seriously, it's one of the best punk records released this decade. Really mm. good. Go check that out. Um, I'm going to give a shout out to my boys, Bad Religion, True North. was a good album. I, I, I just feel like I have to mention it because I'm the Bad Religion dork here. Um, I will say... Uh, uh, there are more lesser-known albums I will choose from there. Uh, Laura Stevenson, who you both need to check out. She's fantastic. Okay. She normally makes, like, indie folk stuff, but 
like in 2015, she decided to say, fuck it, I'm just going to make a really indie-rific, like, uh, pop-punk album, and it's really fucking good. It's called Cocksure, Laura Stevenson. I don't know if I've recommended it on the show before. Definitely go check it out. Um, Bleached, Welcome the Worms. Welcome the Worms by the band Bleached. Mm. Holy fucking Christ, that was probably my most played album of the decade. Nice. This had too many flaws for me to, like, actually put it on my list. Go check that out. There's also a band called Potty Mouth. They've released a couple records this decade. Uh, Hellbent and, oh, fuck, I forget the last one. Um, you can go look it up. It was these last, I think, earlier this year. Uh, Potty Mouth is an absolutely fantastic punk band. I think coming from Canada. They're really good. Definitely go check them out. Um, Loomer? Loomer. Yeah. A band that you and I both love. We talked about it on the Internet Discoveries. Great showgaze band coming out from Brazil. And fuck you, I'm telling the show this. <laughs> um, their EP, Coward Souls, fantastic, as of their, their two full lengths for this, this year, Deserter, and you wouldn't anyway, so go check that out. My boy Sheer over from Germany, fuck less lesser-known band, uh, 2010, they released Monument, absolutely fantastic record. And You've already listed way more way than I more did. Way more bands, yes, I know, and, and there's a lot more I wish I could, but really, I just... The only other one I might mention are the Interrupters first Ben, record. go ahead and edit half that out. <laughs> I'm, <laughs> I'm cutting all of it. I just, I'm there kidding. was so much, there was a lot of great music that great we could have mentioned. I think the only one that we probably could have agreed on, though, was Arctic, Arctic Monkeys AM. Like, we could have, if we were making a top ten, it's the only one we could have agreed on. Other than that, no. Uh, I think it's a really good decade for music and a lot of things you need to check out. All right. I'm going to try to throw some genre diversity to the mix a little bit. Um, so Leon Bridges, he's put out two records this decade. Good Thing is his most recent one. Great stuff. Poppy stuff. Soulful stuff. Everything, every which way. Fantastic, trashy drum sound on that record. Um, then we have Hippies by Harlem. That came out right at the beginning of this decade. And that's a super stripped garage sounding record uh guitar bass vocals drums good songwriting catchy check it out uh go to school by the lemon twigs is a really big concept album that came out recently about a family that adopts a baby monkey um there's a baby monkey within the context of the story but there's the lead off track from that um which forgive me i'm going to look up because i can't remember the name of uh the lead-off track from that, Never In My Arms, Always In My Heart, is the story of uh, people who cannot conceive. And the music video is amazing. The song's amazing. Check out that band in general. Uh, I'd like to mention Songs of Praise by Shame. They're a post-punk band out of England. That's their first record. Political commentary, regular commentary, really good singer. The lead-off single from that is great. Uh, Streetworms by the Viagra Boys. The Viagra Boys are one of my favorite up-and-coming punk bands. They're out of Sweden, I believe. Lots of political commentary on that record. Uh, lots of stupidness and silliness as well, which I'm a big fan of. And I guess, I don't know, my last thing would probably be a song uh, called Sneakers Sneaky Thing by Frankie Flowers, which kind of flew under the radar for a long time. It's the anthem of my friend group uh, back home and it's just a super catchy riff the music's really good Frankie Flowers is making music again they weren't for a few years I don't really know why but it's a really interesting song I encourage you to check it out and I obviously couldn't bring it up because we were talking albums here but there you go God, I, I'm, I'm going through and I have so many more but I already you know, had my time I, yeah I'm uh, too but I, again I again 
really good decade for music, and I want to know what's going to be coming up in the 2020s. And we will, uh, in the description of this, especially if you go to the CM Life website, we'll have all of our lists right there of our top fives, but also the honorable mentions we just said. So, Are you really uh, going to undertake that? Yeah, I'll link to it. I mean, we're not putting this out. I mean, we can, we can just link to our playlists. Yeah, I mean, we'll link we'll link to the playlist, and then that's what's easier. You have to link yeah. three no, things, not no, like no. twenty thousand things. No, I'm I'm linking everything. We're we're gonna link the honorable mentions. Everything's down there. Go check it out or we're, don't. We're not doing that. Just do the. I'm doing it. Saying, no, no, I'm doing let it. Ben, let Ben do his thing. He's just trying to prove something. That's <laughs> insane. That's he is what he's insane, doing. man. But anyways, oh my god, oh my god, um, man, the decade's almost over. That's crazy. I remember turning twenty ten, like it was like. Four months ago. I know. I remember Gangnam Style playing every day, man. What happened to that? <laughs> I'm glad we're going to pass that, actually. What the fuck are you talking about? Another example. Pop music sucked at the start of this Gentleman is the superior size song. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right. No, no, but you got to go for Hangover. We did it. We're almost to two and a half hours, by the way. Oh, my fucking Jesus. God. Right, we so got to so end this. I'm so hey. sorry, man. you got to edit this. I'm sorry for the listeners. If you made it through this episode... You deserve a cookie because that that that's some dedication right there, and we greatly appreciate you joining us uh, as we as we round out the decade here on Soundcheck. Thank you very much. I just want this semester to be over. God bless you all. And we, you know we'll be back next semester with a lot of great new oh, content. We got a lot of great ideas. We got planned for you guys next semester. We got some big Don't... debates coming up. Oh yeah. Well, at least one. For the, the presidential year, we're going to be having our own debates <laughs> that are two. far more important. Those True. two. But we also got a couple music debates, at least one music debate we want to do for you guys next semester. But all will come in due time. But anyways. Thank you, thank you for listening. Thank you Bless for listening, you everyone. My name is Andrew Mullen. My name is Michael Livingston. I'm Ben Ackley, and I'm happy to be here. And for one last time here in 2019, in the 20-teens, let's say it together, guys. Good night, Detroit. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Open.